Ahoy, mateys! Welcome to the GameBuoy.org video game podcast, your port of call for gaming news and views that maybe aren't on your radar, but most definitely should be. I'm your host, Captain Spike 2099, and with me, as always, is First Mate Slagkick. Pokemon get out of the day! Today is November 19th, 2019, and this is the GameBuoy.org video game podcast, episode 169. Nice. Cemeteries of Winden. Welcome, once again, each and every one of our lovely and beautiful listener to another episode of the GameBuoy.org video game podcast. Wait, are we sure this isn't the same type of attack bonus podcast? That is a very, very good observation. But no, this is not our currently on indefinite hiatus Pokemon podcast. This is the GameBuoy.org video game podcast. GameBuoy.org video game podcast. And today we have a, let's call it a week old podcast pokemon game to discuss but it's it's actually what like four or five days old uh, <laughs> yeah it's like four days old yeah like right like um and how far in are you um i'm in the post game <laughs> <laughs> you know what though i laugh i'm i'm right there like i'm on my way to the end game right now like i've done the eight gyms i don't think it's a spoiler to say that there are eight <gasps> gyms. gasp right uh and i have uh done all eight of them so i haven't done what comes after but i think that i've put enough time into this game to have a yeah. pretty solid bit to say I mean, about. you're you're in for some fun times in my opinion but i i will just say that excellent well these episodes where we talk pokemon we always end up going long so we should get this show rolling uh but it's my understanding that you have kind of a psa first uh before we we get into the, sh- the episode this week yes look at me busy as a bee where'd i get all this energy oh meth mm, meth i can't eat I can't sleep, but I've got the cleanest house on the street. Oh, meth. Mm, yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I wasn't going to keep going until I said yes, which I'm basically like a um a methy meow. <laughs> a methy meow? Get these bugs all out of my place. Is that Get like these hairs all out of my face. A methy nyase? One more hit, no time to waste. Oh, meth. Mm, meth. Okay, I, mean, I gave you I gave you the the floor for an actual PSA, and you didn't actually PSA, I suppose. PSA, yeah, it but, was that '90s PSA that was supposed to be discouraging you from taking meth. Which I mean, I guess it did. Uh, aside from that one guy I dated who said that casual boofing is okay, but um, yeah, if you don't remember, if you don't remember, or you weren't alive then, because I guess maybe it's possible we have some listeners who were um, wee ones. Uh, when that was around, it was basically imagine a PSA for anti-drugs, but it was done by Adina Menzel, you know, of Frozen fame or uh, Rent, as we gays in the 90s knew her best. Um, yeah. So anyways, <laughs> sorry about that. So what is um, our actual... That's going to make that's gonna be on the editing room floor. <laughs> um, I was just surprised that you called it a PSA, but I guess that's the right... Um, Yes, that's the right term. So, anyways, um, <laughs> um, it has come to my attention thanks to notifications on WordPress, which is the platform we use for GameBuoy.org. GameBuoy.org. Thank you. Uh, that um, in order to migrate all the content from one server to the other, it'll apparently take a week of downtime 
you know, so we wanted to let you know that our plan is currently that during that Christmas and New Year's week, like from the, you know, the 24th, the 23rd or 24th of December through the uh, 30th, 31st of December, that we will unfortunately have to have GameBooey.org on, like, it will be down it does not mean that we are going anywhere or that anything happened. Gamebuoy.org be... will be temporarily out of commission for yeah, like under construction. But, gift, right but like not even um, you know, like not even that. Like because I think it'll just say like this site's not accessible. Or our our that. Twitter will have a a pinned tweet, and you know, yeah. if anyone has any questions, just at us. But you know, uh, if you run into this issue at all in mid-December. Yeah, but I mean, most, of you, why. most of you good Christian folk out there will be celebrating the uh, birth of our Lord, which, uh, I mean, I don't think that was even actually technically what Christmas is, but it's a pagan <laughs> holiday. <laughs> All right, so. So so thank you for understanding. Um, it will mean the longevity of our site, hopefully. Uh, yeah, or, this is all part of our sort of doubling down on our commitment to many, many more years of buoy. So, yeah, honestly, like, you're stuck with us, and we love you too. Do you learn a lot when you when you have to post uh, a podcast? I'll just say that. So, yeah, you absolutely do. In fact, I'm constantly telling people all the time, like doing this show, I have learned so much about like production pipelines and back-end work and oh i think you already knew a lot about back-end work girl this is not that kind of show um regardless i want to say psyche thank you so much for all of the hard work that you do keeping this show going uh you know i know i whine a lot about oh editing putting things together blah 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 but you do so much of the hard tech work and i really appreciate it um all of our legion of listener should give you a hard earned round of applause you can with give all, me a hard something else oh hey with all of that having been said <laughs> The hot topic today that we must discuss is pretty obvious. What is the way that we rhyme, Slaggy? Hot topic is the way that we rhyme. So, oh, I guess I, I guess you want me to talk about the story. So, I um, do. Valve announced ah. a game called Half Life Alex. I'm it sorry, is what? Their, it is their Valve first announced a game, right? A Half Life game. Holy shit! I'm In sorry. Fact, please um, continue. They said something about building three VR games. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if there's. The I don't know if they're three Half Life games. Well, no, no. So this is this is two different things. You know, a couple of years back, there were three full length VR games announced to be coming out of Valve, and one of those games was announced yesterday to be Half Life Alex, which is of course going to be the first new game in the Half Life series in more than a decade. So uh, this is like one of the biggest stories in gaming. It's massive. And um, my mind was freaking blown yesterday. I mean, this right? is kind of like um, Kingdom Hearts-y in a way. Not not that saying Half-Life and Kingdom Hearts are anything the same, but uh, I mean, we're... F- in terms of a, a long-delayed revival? And that this is still not the um, you-know-what that everyone wants. Oh. I mean, like, and there. then there was like... Half-Life 2 Episode 2. Isn't that the one that came on the orange box with Portal? I believe so, yeah. Like, I'm going to be real. I I have never played the Half-Life games. I probably should change that at some point. Um, but, like, the orange box, I had I spent so much time with Portal that I was like, oops. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, 
I fucking love Portal. It's uh, brilliant. But uh, yeah, I mean, I understand that this is obviously a huge deal for a very, very much large group of people in the gaming persuasion. I'm trying not to use the word gamers because gamers are dead. Yeah, so... But anyways, yeah, so Half-Life Alex. Yeah, this is uh, pretty remarkable. And I have to be honest, um, we have known for a minute, you know, there have been a lot of leaks suggesting that this was coming. Um, lots of sort of rumblings that we are going to get an exploration of Alex's backstory coming. I, I really hope that gamers don't sort of ruin this um, by focusing on the negatives of this, you know, it's it's tricky. I come for a lot of companies largely on the merits of their being companies and thus being profit motivated. And I, anytime a corporation is going to prioritize people over or profit over people, which is like ninety nine point nine bar percent of the time, I'm going to dislike them. Um. But the thing is, Valve, I kind of come to the defense on a lot because for all of the things they do that are awful, one of the things I think they do that's pretty cool is that they don't make their internal teams work on projects they don't want to work on, at least as far as we've ever heard from that from anyone who's ever been there. So, you know, I've always thought it was really cool on some level that Half-Life 3 has never arrived in that to me, that was a clear indication that nobody presently at Valve want to make that game or felt that they could make that game or felt they should make that game whatever but i feel like they could have if they had chosen to uh, now that we're seeing this game come out to me it's a really exciting time because this means you know oh hey people at valve are getting excited to work on half-life again and to live in that universe and, and experiment in that universe like we're seeing with this vr game uh, we saw previously with portal we saw with half-life 2 itself <laughs> you know it's so um I don't know. To me, this is a joyous, exciting thing. I don't mind that these games come so infrequently. The Kingdom Hearts of it is kind of funny. But again, you know, we have all these leaks and sort of possible details. So I almost, keeping with the Kingdom Hearts um, comparison, would say that this to me seems more like getting a Half-Life Birth by Sleep than a Half-Life Recoded. And yeah, I mean, that's I, I think we are... I honestly think we are um, maybe five years away, maybe from a Half Life Three confirmed, like not just a meme. Yeah, right. I think well, we're. I think. Exactly I think in our lifetimes, unless the you know, unless climate change renders our wood, Earth, right? uh, um, yeah, unless climate change renders our Earth uh, inhabitable sooner than we expect, um, or that there, you know, there's a massive civil war. You never, you never know these days. But uh, you know, assuming that. We are still around, uh, by which I mean not that we wouldn't be doing Game Boy. I mean that, like, literally that the human race isn't extinct. But um, that being said, I think that we, in our lifetime, will see, maybe in another five years, we'll be cracking open our copy of The Winds of Winter and loading up Half-Life 3 on Steam. That's pretty wild. But, uh, you know, Duke Nukem Forever got made, so, you know, these things do happen. Uh, we also got a pretty wild... Um, piece of news here yeah and speaking of worlds that people are ready to revisit right well so this past n7 day this was a uh, november 7th when Aww, we celebrate of course it is i mean right i mean i knew that but you know it's yeah so cute. 
it's when we celebrate all things Mass Effect. And, you know, initially it looked like all we were going to get this year was a skin for Anthem that was Mass Effect themed. Oh, it, it does need to be noted. It was a beautiful skin if you're playing Anthem. It's just are, that's one. Are you? It's <laughs> one hell of an asterisk, right? <laughs> Well, so um, Kotaku ran a huge piece and, you know, we get really incredible reporting out of Kotaku pretty regularly. And there's a, a whole story to be said about Kotaku right now that we are probably going to dig into in next week. Um, but all of that notwithstanding, at the moment, I want to focus on this piece that, um, you know, they had kind of fo been focusing on this overhaul of Anthem that is in the works over at Bioware. Bioware. Thank you. I was about to call them Bungie. I was just like, no, I know well, that's I mean, not right. <laughs> one company is making a great space game right now and one's not. Ah, I mean, the thing is, um, Bioware is basically what I was afraid was going to happen to Bungie, in fact. And I think that's why the tone and tenor of our last episode was the way it was, because I'm just so relieved that uh, Bungie got out of their co corporate overlord and um, Bioware is uh, still with EA. So irregardless, buried in this piece on Anthem and how basically Bioware appears to be working on a revitalization thereof was the news that apparently there's a new Mass Effect game in the early stages of uh, pre-visualization, pre-development. So, uh, you know, while still very early development, you know, uh, I wouldn't imagine we're going to be seeing a game for three or four years, which means back when Andromeda flopped and I said it would be six or seven years, I don't think I was too far off. It appears at around the same time we're probably going to be playing Half-Life 3, we'll be playing Mass Effect 4. I mean... Weird world. You have to wonder, uh, as soon as they got Hudson back on board, uh, Casey Hudson, obviously, not Hudson yeah. Soft, which, uh, you know, another another Hudson we're very fond of, of course, but uh, you have to wonder if, as soon as they brought Casey Hudson back on board, they kind of knew that eventually that's what they were going to do, you know? Yeah. Because he, well, he came back uh, right towards the end, of, like right when Anthem um, was... Not not like starting to wrap up, but when like either they were uh, right, they were starting to reveal it. So he wasn't there um, for the you know pre-planning, so to speak. Right. That is my recollection was, uh, of the timeline. When he was gone. Yeah. Well, you know, it it seems to he me was that... Microsoft for a while, wasn't he? And that kind of didn't uh, that didn't I'm... really do. He didn't really. Uh, we didn't really hear much from that. Anyway, Mass Effect. Yeah, really exciting stuff, you know. Um, while obviously uh, Dragon Age 4 is also very early in development, so we're not going to see either of these titles for a while, it is nice to know that um, regardless of whether Anthem does rehabilitate, we have a future in these franchises still, and that's awesome. So I also hope this means that maybe people will give Anthem a little bit more of a chance if it does get sharpened into something cool. Uh, you know, back when it came out, I was playing it for a couple weeks and enjoying it, but uh, there just wasn't enough meat on that bone. So That's true. I mean, it's, I enjoyed it enough that when I picked up Destiny 2 again, I was like, um, oh, yeah, like I, there was stuff I was remembering that I was like, oh, wait, that was Anthem. But um but then there were things that I was like, oh, wait, I thought that this was what I was playing Anthem, but it's actually the themes I liked about Destiny and Destiny 2. Oops. 
But yeah, That's I mean, super funny. Anthem has potential. Yeah, yeah, I, I really did. It's just, enjoy not, Des- it. it's just yeah. not Destiny too. Well, there is that issue as well. But uh, regardless, I think it's a very, very good sign to see um, yet another game in development at right. Bioware that people have been asking. Okay, so um, I I had to go back and look at this because I it was bugging me. Uh, the development of Anthem started with Casey Hudson, then uh, midway through. This is when he left, so mm, really was a rough spot, I guess. Yeah. All right. We also have word that Path of Exile is going to be getting a sequel. Uh, this is a big deal, of course. X Path of Exile 2 is set to be a large update to the was originally set to be a large update to the first game, but has grown into a full sequel. Uh, this is exciting stuff. You know, I played Path of Exile for a minute. It was for a long time, I think, the best modern alternative to like the Diablo 3 for a good Diablo experience. Like oh, even more than Torchlight? Back when well, I mean, I don't I don't like Torchlight two in particular as much as many but even the first torchlight is a lot more uh simplified than especially like diablo 2 was and so if you're people who are looking for a little bit more of a like crunchy experience in terms of like crunching big numbers i, I think that going over to path of exile still makes more sense than something like torchlight but that's my personal I must, opinion i must have missed out on the path of exile craze. well i mean you're gonna have another option because uh or another chance when Path Exile 2 releases. Especially if Blizzard doesn't shape up their act, I would rather support Path of Exile 2 than Diablo 4. LOL, right? Um, there's no release date for the game yet. It's still a ways off, and the beta won't be until at the very earliest, late 2020. So, Oh, that really grinds my gears. Get it? Because <laughs> the studio is grinding gear games. Okay. Um, we also had a bunch of news come out of the XO19 event this year, or this year, this week in London. Um, it was like a whole streaming Microsoft press event, basically a Nintendo Direct, you know, a series of trailers, people talking about their games. Um, it was pretty interesting. Did you catch any of that, Sahi? Not when it was happening, because you said, wait, this was last weekend. No, no, this was uh, maybe Wednesday or Thursday of last week. Oh, well, yeah, no, I was... Uh, it would have been while you were working, but I didn't know if you had yeah. caught any of it after the fact. No, not until uh, looking up the news for this episode, so... Excellent. Okay, well, uh, did you watch the Everwild announced yes. trailer? Yes, it's beautiful. Right? And how exciting is it? You know, we're, as has been much discussed, finally getting a brand new IP out of Rare. Right? Like, they don't have to just make... I mean, not that Connect games are a thing anymore, but poor Rare really got the shaft for a while. It's yeah, but you know, between I mean, this and tell. Sea of Thieves... Oh, right, yeah. Oh, that's right, Sea of Thieves was Rare, wasn't it? Yeah. I've got to, I've got to eventually get around to that because you know pirates. Yeah, no, it's it's a lot of fun, but I've only really played it single player, and it's a completely different experience. I'm told. Mm-hmm. So uh, that being said, I mean, I don't. Would be great. I mean, I have obviously haven't played uh, Sea of Thieves, so I can't really speak to tonally, but it seems kind of more like you know, kind of rare has that kind of like silliness to it. This is, I mean, it's hard to tell just from a trailer, but Everwild was very like you know, it's cel shaded. I mean, I, I hate to. Say path 
uh, sorry, Path of the Wild, uh, Breath of the Wild. But, um, you know, it definitely gives me that sort of vibe. It, it seems like it's trying to be very, like, epic um, in that scope. It's, like, just a beautiful trailer. Um, yeah, yeah. I would definitely encourage listeners um, who can approach Rare stuff with an open mind to watch this trailer if you haven't seen it already. I think it looks like a really beautiful concept, if nothing else. Yeah, I mean, like... Um, it's just interesting because, like I said, it does not look like the type of game that typically, at least for me, that I associate with Rare. I mean, because obviously, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, the 90s with, uh, you know, their work with a lot of their work with Nintendo, of course. And yeah, well, you know. I, of course, you know, don't forget stuff like uh, Viva Pinata. Well, yeah, but that's kind of was like light and fluffy, you know. Well, it's true, although it did Even, still have yeah. a, a similar nature first aesthetic i guess that's the thing that's for true. me is the the nature first aesthetic to me still kind of connects but mm, you're I right mean, that uh, it is still totally completely different battle toads had a lot of toad i've been conquer obviously and then uh didn't they do anticipation for... <laughs> all <laughs> right really moving on <laughs> we also have for the announcement of a new i mean game. in some ways i kind of wonder if this is almost like a spiritual successor to cameo that would be interesting. That would be interesting. But we actually did also get the announcement of a new game out of Obsidian Entertainment. This is Grounded. It is a new survival game in which every player is a character has been shrunk down to sort of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids level. <laughs> right? That was immediately my thought. I was like, oh, I wonder if Rick Moranis is involved in this. Right? Well, when they showed the little characters running to, like, coffee cans for cover and stuff, to me it was just, like, such an obvious comparison. But, you know, I say that, that having been said, like, survival games aren't always my jam, although more recently I guess I've discovered they kind of are super my jam in some ways. Uh, but this looks super fun to me. It's and, really like, cute. Um, right? Like, you get to, like, build be... a whole-ass little base in this backyard. You get to, like, explore right. um, and have, like, your bros come over for multiplayer and, like, explore your, your cool-ass little It looks like it could potentially area. be for the, um, for the survival genre. The same thing that Splatoon has become for the... Uh, you know, I, I can't say first-person shooter because Splatoon is a third-person shooter, but you know, but just I follow what like, you're saying. Yeah, making it kind of like a little—I mean, it looks family-friendly to me, and also interestingly, very, very different than the type of thing where, like I said, maybe it could be really gritty, but it does not look that way. Um, which also, again, opposite of what I would expect from uh, Obsidian. You know, you yeah. think of Pillars of Eternity. You know, I mean, I'm obviously for a lot of people obsidian goes much much later i mean much further back than that you know but uh that being said uh interesting to see these companies seem to be uh possibly taking some new brave new steps i i like it yeah i mean i've been a fan of obsidian since probably like alpha protocol i talk about that game a lot um obviously a lot of people go to like fallout new vegas for them right i um, mean Obviously, you know, Outer Worlds is a big deal right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, but but they, yeah, we, no. We're back with uh, Black Isle Studios. Yeah, it's just that they're sort of approaching this almost at more like that angle and aesthetic that I would expect coming out of Rare, like you had just been talking about, right? <laughs> and that they've taken the traditionally sort of more grim, dark survival genre 
outside of course of uh you know like minecraft which is classically probably the most well-known survival game but um outside of that this appears to be almost like a fortnite take on survival and i think that that could be a really potent combination yeah so i'm, I'm very eager to see how this plays out now speaking of a country country i'm thinking this because they are based in another country uh speaking of a company that uh seems to be sticking with what they do best although i've heard that vampire was pretty good i just never really i i liked it a lot even though i thought that as a video game, it wasn't necessarily super, super fun. As a, like, interactive vampire fiction, it was super fun. Well, interactive fiction is what, what Don't Nod does best. Well, and exactly. Like, that they, is the perfect um, example yeah. of a game that you put on, like, story mode. Like, the easiest setting so that you have your appropriate, like, relativistic vampire super strength. And just enjoy the moral quandaries and soap operas of people's lives as you flit about with, you know, indignity and no real qualms about passing judgment and living your life the way you fucking choose to because you're an immortal vampire it's rad as hell yeah you you spend a lot of time thinking about um about vampire drama i mean that's been a that's that's kind of your dream (laughs) he wants to get bitten (laughs) okay why don't you talk about their new game though it got announced it was really exciting um, it's another narrative adventure game so we're expecting it you know i mean i don't say expecting it but you know probably very similar in, in ways to life is strange uh, this is called Tell Me Why. It is a thriller, actually, so it might be a little bit, um, you know, a little bit darker. Um, it features twins Tyler and Allison, who are trying to unravel mysteries of their loving but child, but loving but troubled childhood. It's set in a beautiful small town in Alaska. So, uh, yeah, that should be uh, interesting. I still haven't gotten around to Life is Strange too, just because you know Life is Strange and um, Before the Storm both, you know very emotionally intense so i've been kind of been kind yeah. of waiting for a time where uh if it uh is kind of emotionally intense that i'm not like oh great i've got to go to work the next day and something happened in life is strange to episode whatever that um uh, makes me want to just curl up and cry all day no don't not is amazing like uh the original life is strange and uh before the storm which was the prequel um both really good so yeah you know i'm i'm a big fan uh this game looks really exciting obviously i'm kind of on tenterhooks about the fact that you know it it will be uh featuring a trans protagonist uh you know they're working obviously with a lot of different voices and groups to make sure that that doesn't go badly for them hopefully that works i just i do worry because we know that there's going to be um troubled motherhood concerns and trans issues and i guess i'm just really worried about it getting messy in a way that Mm -hmm. is just don't nod has earned the benefit of the doubt that i will wait to see what what they release but I will say I'm really concerned about, uh, again, just the care with which I think that this subject matter needs to be handled. And watching the trailer, I was just a little bit on edge about like, oh, I see how this could get messy, but I also see how it could be okay. So fingers mm-hmm. crossed. Um, that having, again, though, like I said, it, I mean, Don't Nod has earned the benefit of the doubt. I really, really hope it ends up good because 
it could be a real grand slam for all involved. Yeah, they've done like lesbian stuff pretty well. Spoiler yeah, alert. yeah. They, oh, they spoiler alert! Life, well. Life is Strange, the original Life is Strange, and the prequel have lesbian overtones if you choose to interpret it or make player choices that way. Excellent. Um, we also got the surprise announcement that Yakuza Zero, Yakuza Kiwami, and Yakuza Kiwami Two will be coming to Xbox One. And in addition, there was a. Uh, confirmation that they'd be coming to xbox one xbox game pass as well including on Windows 10. excellent yeah so that's something very exciting to look forward to in early 2020 the the yakuza games are the um i mean not the yakuza games but the upcoming yakuza game is the one that's going more jrpg right am i mixing up correct although again it's largely the same type of game except it has a turn-based combat system yeah, which sounds fantastic. So uh, this might be a good time for me to get some a uh, little bit of background. Oh, yeah. Uh, They're super fun games, too. Super stylistic and over the top. And it, it just it's a super delightful way. It I really ha- highly recommend them. Them all, really. Yeah, don't they kind of... Aren't they kind of um, in some ways... Um, I mean, I don't know if it's correct to say... Um, that they're spiritual successors to like Shenmue type thing. It, I don't yeah. know that it's exactly correct to say, but I don't know that it's exactly incorrect to say. So it's it's somewhere in that neighborhood. Cool. We also got the exciting announcement that Halo Reach will be adding added to the Halo Master Chief Collection on Xbox One and PC, both via Microsoft Store and Steam, on December 3rd. This is, of course, exciting as many people cite Halo Reach as their favorite of the original Halo games. A lot of people really enjoy the lore, the set pieces, and uh, having it added to the Master Chief Collection, which is been rehabilitated into a fantastic experience itself um it's pretty cool yeah that's great um you know given like i was talking about last time how much i've been loving destiny too um you know i probably should even if i don't maybe go back to the you know original halo at least you know give some of these a try and real talk you me and two other people and it could be any two people if we all have game pass should just play on your next couple days off like halo 3 and halo reach and halo 4 and you would get it you would understand halo you would love halo and you would see so much of what you loved in destiny and halo and then i'd be like oh halo 5 is still good but it's not it doesn't have that special oomph you might come it, to that conclusion thereafter, yeah. Because was Halo Four still Bungie? Um, that was the changeover game that was done by. Uh, it was kind of the handing, handing but, over of the changing of the guard. I believe so. Ah, okay. Let's see. We also got the surprise announcement that Kingdom Hearts HD 1.5 plus 2.5, as well as 2.8, will be coming to Xbox One in 2020. Yes, um, it, it was during the stream. I had felt stated that it was coming to Game Pass, but everything I've seen thereafter has just said coming to Xbox One, has not said coming to Game Pass. So uh, that particular detail I'm a little confused about, but irregardless, I'm... Oh, that's twice in one episode. Um, I will definitely be picking this one up on Xbox. I'm super excited. Uh, What do you think, Sluggy? 
Yeah, I'm just surprised that, that they're not, I mean, maybe it will be, but I'm surprised they're not using the terminology of the story so far. I wonder if it's just they want to get more money out of you. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm, I'm going to spend it because uh, I've got a copy of 1.5 somewhere for, I think, because that was originally PS3, right? Correct. Yeah, so like, I mean, at this point, honestly, yeah. I have multiple copies on PS4. I, if you ever wanted to play it, like we could yeah, make that Yeah, but I mean, happen. I prefer I prefer Xbox One. I'm sorry, Sony. All right. Well, then in 2020, it is time. Yes. And then in the meantime, last, but definitely <laughs> oh, well, not least. I guess not in the meantime, uh, because this will also be in 2020. Yeah, yeah. We're getting a whole bunch of Final Fantasies as Silicon Era called it. Um, this is going to be coming to Game Pass on Xbox One, and it's going to be Final Fantasy VII Remastered, Final Fantasy VIII Remastered, Final Fantasy IX, Final Fantasy X, Final Fantasy X-2 HD, Final Fantasy XII Zodiac Age, Final Fantasy XIII, Final Fantasy XIII-2, Final Fantasy XIII Lightning Returns, and Final Fantasy XV. That's great. These I mean, titles basically... will be released one by one on the service in 2020. You can basically just play everything, um, every modern Final Fantasies of the past 20 years, um, you know, major release, aside from 11 and 14. But uh, didn't, weren't you telling me that 14 is basically, someone was telling me that 14 is, eventually going to come to xbox one that, so uh, the same day as the x019 event and i was going to say this right now um, because this was i think the perfect lead-in uh, phil spencer also noted earlier in the day to media that although they weren't prepared to announce anything today uh, final fantasy 14 is coming to the xbox one. Oh wow yeah i couldn't remember if like yoshi p said something or <laughs> No, but it was it was it was confirmed by I believe it was Phil Spencer who who it was Spencer P. <laughs> LOL. So yeah, very very exciting stuff uh, coming out of this this Xbox event. A lot of stuff to look forward to. I'm really really excited to see uh, Square Enix going in on Game Pass. You know they get a lot of guff for um, overcharging and the way that they leverage their ip back catalog so i and think repackage really cool. things constantly and re-release -re -re and you're practically going morrissey on me here man mm -hmm. um but yeah so it's it's nice and cool to see them embracing an initiative like game pass and it makes me really hopeful we might see them at some point uh start adding their games to nintendo's switch online features because i would love to be able to play final fantasies on the switch Hell, I would buy them as separate purchases, but if I could get them as a part of the Nintendo Online NES or SNES mode, that would be great. Yeah. Anyway, all of that having been said, it's now time to move into our Culture Club, which is, of course, where we talk about some smaller pieces of news that are still important about the gaming world and culture around us, which is, frankly, not a lovely place at the moment. Slaggy, do you want to get us started? Yeah, I just noticed uh, Silicon Era redid their layout for, like, the first time in years. I mean, uh, yeah. Like, this has been since the last time we recorded. Uh, yeah, because I remember Silicon yeah, Era. Yeah, yeah, no, the and they've, they've had that old layout for, like, a decade. Yeah, so nice job, Silicon Era. Nice, fresh look. Um, it's anyway, nice, yeah, that their their comments tabs work again. <laughs> aw. Um, so uh, Animal Crossing Pocket Camp has decided to jump on the um, subscription train after apparently, I mean, I can't say this for sure that it's like, you know, cause and effect, but, 
you know, we had Mario Kart Tour. We talked about their it is. Uh, gold their gold mode or uh, gold pass. They, they have I, already. I, I pay for the damn thing. I don't know what it's called. The they have pass. already noted that the gold pass is successful. I I think this is absolutely cause and effect. Yes. Although, uh, uh, the the article, flip- although the article doesn't specify that, but I mean, I, yeah. I think we can make an inference there. But uh, yeah, so if you choose to did a subscription, which I'm sure will have an adorable name, um, because I mean it's Animal Crossing. You'll be able to get fortune cookies um, to um, get clothing or furniture, uh, a warehouse that can let you store items, and a camp caretaker that can uh, have a character of your choosing. I mean, I don't know if it's from a limited amount, but it says choose if their favorite character to help maintain their campsite. So that's cute. Cute. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised that um, being had the relationship that I do have with Animal Crossing that I put in like maybe 20 minutes with pocket camp. So, so, I mean, I'm personally going to wait until, um, I don't know. I keep wanting to call it new leaf. That was the old one. New horizons. Is that, I think so. I was like, that still sounds like a, sounds like a glee club name. You say that. Yeah, that must be the one. Cause you say that every time. Okay. New horizons. We've got to make it to sectionals. (laughs) KK slider. Well, so, you know, And it's kind of interesting because we also learned uh, recently that um, Gold Pass subscribers for Mario Kart Tour will be the first ones to get access to the game's multiplayer feature when it launches in December. So we're definitely seeing Nintendo's mobile offerings move in the direction of this uh, subscription service um, based plan. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that. And I think we're going to talk a lot more about that kind of stuff. Moving it could forward. be good or bad. Yeah, could be good or bad. You know, and I know this isn't on the show roll today, but that's a just a massive oversight on my part. Um, did you know that Stadia launched this week? I Yes, but also I thought that I thought that's why. I mean, I, I thought the lack of it on the show roll was intentional. Um, ah! Someone I follow on Twitter said they got a um, got a notification that their Stadia had shipped, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I forgot I pre-ordered that." Ah! <laughs> okay, it's look. I shouldn't laugh. the The thing is, um, as we're talking about subscription services as a business model, which is what the series of words I had been trying to say before was kind of supposed to be. <laughs> Um, I've really think today to Google's efforts with Stadia, which are, um, by all accounts, launching before they're quite ready for prime time. And I think at the same time about how in the longer term, you know, we're going to see Microsoft go in this direction with xCloud. You know, they actually talked about xCloud at the uh, XO19 event. There just wasn't anything for us to really comment about it as a news story. Um, But as we see these subscription models become increasingly common, um, it's just very interesting within this context to see Nintendo so quickly and broadly adopting them for the um, mobile games. And I I actually kind of wonder when we're going to see a uh, console Nintendo game that has subscription features. Um, oh, and, and I wonder if that's it. something in. I wonder if that's something in the works yet. What was that? I said, don't say it. Right. We all we all want Nintendo to stay good, but you know they are a company as well. And as with all companies, we just have to judge them on a one-off because we know they won't ever have our backs. 
So Nintendo stay good, but probably you won't. Um, I'm yeah, we're not going to talk about Stadia, though, because neither of us have the service. That's why we didn't really do like a feature, a focus on it this episode. Um, neither of us have the service and I kind of feel like it would be disingenuous to talk about it too much other than to say, oh, it launched and early re- impressions are not super great. That having all been said, there was a reception that was much improved this past week. Slaggy, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so we got a n- new trailer for the... Um upcoming Sonic the Hedgehog film, which uh that would have been out already, right? If they hadn't delayed it. That was supposed to come out uh that was supposed to be out, I think, this next week, right? Because I thought it was coming out right before Thanksgiving. Oh yeah, trying to uh, compete with Frozen 2. Good luck with that. L O L O L. I kind of think everything worked out for the best. Right. Um yeah, so actually, I mean the humor or whatever still remains to be seen whether you know it's uh it still seems a little cringy to me, but Sonic looks way better. Um, there's like, there's no comparison. Like it, it's Sonic. You know, this is Sonic now. Yeah, I mean, they're. Kind I still of think like, and I love Jim Carrey, but like the, his characterization of Robotnik um, in this film, at least in the trailers, it seems like they're just like, uh, "Hey, Jim Carrey, do you wanna, you know, the Sonic the Hedgehog games?" He's like, "Yeah, sure." The like, do you wanna, um, do you wanna just do your Jim Carrey thing? but um, we'll put a funny mustache on you. He's like, yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I agree. The flip is supposedly he morphs to become more video game Eggman-like as it goes on. Oh, oh, I hope that's just not a setup for more fat jokes. I really, really effing hope not. Like, I don't think that movies need to have that kind of stuff in the first place, but especially something that's going to be all ages like Sonic. Like, I, yeah, I, I definitely hope not. Well, yeah, but then we hope that Avenger Schmench game <laughs> wouldn't either. So yeah, it's honestly true. I mean, that's a great example of a film that I would have thought would have known better. But here we are. Let's see. We also got word. Oh, this was big news. Did you hear about this? Sonic Three, this early early development version releasing online. It's just. So not, until, found... not until uh, now. Well, and so the reason why I would have thought you had found out about this, um, this came to my attention because I saw a discussion on Resetera where it's from this ROM, and this ROM actually had the same music tracks that the PC version of Sonic 3 have. Um, you know, the ones that are supposedly not associated with Michael Jackson. So, oh. right? So um, the idea had been previously that, oh, man, this must be some like shitty placeholder that some intern threw together, which first off rude because the songs are perfectly fine, but also inaccurate because now we have every reason to believe that these were, if not the originally intended songs, then at least the originally intended placeholders if the Michael Jackson music thing fell through. So, yeah, this is it. This actually gave us this past weekend another chapter to the infamous Sonic 3 music develop um music drama hell. And uh yeah, it it just really interesting stuff. There was also some interesting details um in this game involving like there's almost like a drop dash mode which, you know, um 
you would probably be familiar with from like Sonic Mania. Mm-hmm. And just some really very fascinating stuff that was going on with Sonic 3 way back in its early development, this early, early development version releasing online. It's just wild. Oh, that's and, crazy. I'll have to like really deep dive into this. Yeah, yeah. And you, you it can be downloaded. So if you want to check it out, you can, you really can already. Oh, wow. Yeah, like literally you could download this, pop it into an emulator. Hopefully you would not do this unless you, you know, have bought the game and supported Sega over the years. But I know you have, so I'm not saying I was there on Hedgehog Day. Hello. Right. Well, that's why, yeah, morally, I don't feel particularly wrong talking to you and saying to you, like, if you download this ROM and check it out on the emulator, I don't think anyone's going to judge you. And I think there's some really cool stuff that you might want to check out. Um, Here's a really crappy gamer culture story, though. Uh, Slaggy, have you read up on this? Can you take this one from me? Because I I just don't want to get mad. Yeah, so um, we've had um, in Japan, um, the voice of Tifa has been Ayumi Ito um, ever since Kingdom Hearts 2. And she's continued to be the voice of Tifa. She will be Tifa in Final Fantasy VII Remake in Japan. But unfortunately... um, the Sankei News is reporting that uh, over the summer, a 20-something-year-old woman was sending death threats to her talent agency. Um, and yeah, that- and then that same month, uh, a man in his 30s had uh, sent threats to a game company. Um, and allegedly, he was writing threats over the fact that he wanted a character that Ito-san was voicing to be recast. And although the Sankei News didn't disclose the name of the threatened company, um, one of the other uh, media reporting companies in Asia did note that it was the the producer of the Final Fantasy series. So we can kind of connect the dots there on what character this was about, what actress it was about, and uh, yikes. I mean, I say yikes as if it's comical, but like... No, that's uh, terrifying. To calm down, like yeah, it's horrible. It's it's not. It's we not hope that um, we hope Ito-san is safe, and you know, um, I mean, obviously, I haven't been consuming Japanese Kingdom Hearts media, but I mean, you know, I mean, uh, I know that Square Enix takes their voice casting seriously, and you know, uh, so I'm sure I, I, I I'm I probably at some point. Have probably heard Japanese Tifa at some point, but oh, uh, yeah, definitely. You've you know you've definitely watched like uh, Advent Children. Oh yeah, and stuff. yeah. I've watched it subbed. Yeah, and I mean I, I've never had any problems with anyone's voice, and even if I did, I wouldn't write them a fucking death threat. I wouldn't. Death Thank you. That's anyone. that's the key piece here, right? It's like, and we're gonna we're honestly we are gonna talk about this a lot in a little bit, and I think it's inevitable in this episode. Y'all know where that's going, but um. It's okay to not like things. It's okay to disagree with things. It is even okay in a lot of contexts to voice this um, negative response to to media and to opinions. Um, I don't even. You know I, what's not I, right? What I'm like the way that people are acting so like 
entitled and violent and everything, I I would be okay with people going back to uh, yucking someone's yums, like being like, oh, you like that? Like, I'd rather them uh, just be shitty rather than like threaten someone's well-being. Well, right. And so that's exactly what but I mean, I'm and building like, to, right? Is that like, and then this, is, this also is not like a 2019 problem. This has been happening for uh, how long was, how long ago was, you know what? Well, look, here's the thing. It's, it's been a few years. And um, again, nobody is trying to censor your opinion, despite what certain um, provocateurs might be telling you. Uh, Nobody is trying to censor you or limit your speech. You don't have to threaten people to be heard. Literally, all you have to do is sit down and use your your words and communicate your needs and your disappointments and honestly if you get like an organized like letter writing campaign for example or a charity drive is one that i've seen people do um those are there are really great ways that like you can can make your voice heard both in protest or to just send a signal to a company Uh, What is never, ever, ever cool or okay is to attack people as individuals for any of this shit. Like, you know, there's like one thing in the world that's okay to attack individuals over. And that's like knowing that they are perpetuating hate within your vicinity. But like other than like actively like stamping out racists from your community, violence is not ever okay to even threaten like it's just not okay if you've got a problem with a game stop playing the goddamn game if you have a problem with a game that's coming out and you're disappointed about it respectfully tweet people involved in the production if you feel that that's not something that you can do respectfully reach out to people whom you think can reporters you know um bloggers this is the modern day so streamers podcasters honestly yeah although not us i mean you could try but we have no contact we are nobodies uh but yeah honestly podcasters that's the thing you do actually have recourse and and the thing is most of the people whom are most vocal and shitty online right now are actually the people whom also have the most options and the most recourse to actually have these problems addressed And there's a a huge cultural clash right now that's sort of shunting a lot of these people who might have valid concerns into this very toxic way of communicating those concerns that ends up benefiting nobody. Um, In the specific case of Ito-san, I actually don't believe Ito-san has done a single goddamn thing wrong. People need to step off her goddamn feet and back. As far as some of the other things we're going to talk about this episode, y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, calm the hell down. You You have created a situation where we can't have a real conversation, and that's awful. You are all the ones who are now (laughs) stifling conversation. So, yeah, basic. See, I like how you took it to an owner shell stop place, and I took it to a Taylor Swift place. But also, uh, just a minor shout-out, because... uh, if you're not familiar with Taylor Swift's situation, which is uh, 
show, just showing that other industries are, you know, very shitty too. And I mean, you think of the way I'm even guilty of being like, oh, uh, Reputation was a flop album, you know, and stand cultures can be really toxic too, you know. But Taylor Swift is currently dealing with um, basically her um, master recordings being held hostage. And she can't use, um, she can't even perform a television broadcast of anything until she um, has re-recorded her um, back catalog. It's really shitty. Hashtag I stand with Taylor. Hashtag I stand with Ito-san. Well, I don't think there's an I stand with Ito-san hashtag, but there should be. There probably should be. As far as the Scooter Braun thing, yeah, that is disgusting. And um, honestly, I, I have had my ups and i've had my downs with taylor swift over the years but um i like her new record i think it's a perfectly serviceable fun pop yeah it's actually pretty good aside from that me song which uh honestly i have really grown fond of that song she took out the spelling is fun for the final release right she did it well not not the final release because i mean the single version does have that line like but like the album version. The single version but she did remove it from the album version and i swear to god i was at the thrift store well is it the goodwill last week and they were playing that song in the goodwill and when that lyric came on come on kids spelling is fun i shit you not a group of kids a group of kids in the store started laughing and that made me laugh because it's like even kids think this think this is nonsense like because they were not it was not like a fun participation laugh it was like uh this is oh taylor oh yeah that kind of laugh so but you know it was uh I mean, I, I guess to some degree, that's the kind of outlet that's okay to have. Like, you can laugh about, oh, Taylor Swift being stupid in her song with your friends at a Goodwill. You can't send her hate hate threats about her Scooter Braun situation, which some people also do because they're awful. There are a lot of people who think that she should just sign the rights away, like extended rights away to her music to other people, despite the fact that this is all over contracts that she signed when she was like a 14 year old. And in my opinion, shouldn't be binding anymore anyway. But whatever, whatever, neither here nor there, I guess her parents could enter her into bondage for her. For her. Yeah. I'm sorry. sorry. She is mad. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, sorry to sidetrack, but I mean, I think there are parallels to um, stand culture and gamer culture in some ways. You know, what's interesting to move things along, I feel like um, one company that hasn't seemed to, unless I've missed out on it, one company that does not have seemed to have received a bunch of death threats is Blizzard. Yeah, yeah. Um, although they have not reversed their Blitzchung ban, uh, despite, you know, onstage apologies, um, Jay Allen Brack himself has noted in his own personal opinion, he does feel Blizzard has overreacted. Um, but again, they will not be reversing the Blitzchung ban. Uh, they did apologize to him on stage, but they will not be reversing the ban. Um, they won't be reversing the ban of any of the uh, commentators who were banned. Uh, apparently, uh, despite the fact that everybody seems to agree that nobody did anything wrong, there are definitely at least three people who aren't going to be making any money for six months over this nonsense. So that's a problem to me. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just dug right in here. Slaggy, do you want to set the stage a little more for people? Um, I mean, basically... Um... He kind of was doubling down on it. He was talking to PC Gamer 
And he's saying that it would basically set a precedent about uh, people to shout out whatever they want anytime there's any sort of stream and that they want the content to be focused on the games. Uh, I mean, I can understand that, but they should have been like, whoa, hey, Blitz Chum, listen, uh, you know, they could have made a statement. They, there's no reason that they should have put the ban hammer and, you know, linked the money away. They could have been like, okay, hey, you know, uh, we need to come out on record. We need to talk about what happened. We need to acknowledge this. Um, we want to focus on the game. Blitz Chum, you did a great on Hearthstone, but, uh, you know, we need to, in the future, make it very clear that these are our policies. Um, I mean, because, I don't know. I mean, I, obviously, I'm all about free speech. But, I mean, I can understand where they're coming from. Um, but, um, like I said, I'm not like I'm not supporting them, like, silencing people, trying to speak out on human rights, obviously. But, uh, you know, just I, it's, it's just clear. It's clear that the way that they handled this is poor. And they kind of keep... Um, the more they talk about it, they're kind of just making themselves not look so great about it. Well, right. And, you know, the thing is, they basically say that they want these official broadcasts to remain about the game, not to be about things not related to the game. If they hadn't taken action, you know, it would set a, a precedent and uh, interviews would be about times for people to make a statement about whatever they wanted to on whatever issue. And, um, okay, so it sounds like you want to limit people's speech to me. Um. I mean, almost Just fucking say uh, it. I mean, like, what would it? I wonder, like, what we would like. Imagine at Evo, if uh, was it at Evo when, um, or was it at Evo or at the Game Awards or something or wherever it was where Sonic Fox was like, I'm, I'm queer, I'm a furry, you know, get used to it or whatever it was that they had said. Uh, and we were all like, yeah, Sonic Fox work. Um, I, I mean, I don't remember exactly. I what I think their it words was were. an Evo, but I, yeah, I, I recall yeah, the Evo moment. said like. Um, we want this to be about the games. You can't express. I mean, fuck you. I mean, I, exist like, in a vacuum. I, I feel like I'm all sorry. that Blizzard has said is that you know we want to make it clear that we do not endorse the we do not endorse um, political statements being made by anyone on the, this uh, you know on official streams. You know, like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't even feel like he needed a warning. Like, I mean, it's look. Here's my. My, like, I mean, my, what if you went up onto um, ABC News or uh, KTVU News and you're like, fuck the police. Are you going to get like, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know, maybe depending on what type of job you have, you might get uh, you might get fired. I don't know. But uh, you probably shouldn't, but you probably would. But that, I mean, it's, it, it, it just it's 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 it's, here's too, my it's, thing. it's it's too especially in this political climate that we live in. And obviously, you know, we don't have the same situation as the uh, people in Hong Kong, you know, like in terms of what they are dealing with. But we we obviously have our own political nightmares going on and um, where the idea of free speech is being called into question and, you know, fake news and, you know, you know, so I mean, free speech is definitely um, a very important topic. And this just every time they talk about it, just feels too much like they're trying to infringe on free speech. Now, I mean, the thing well, is, is that if um I, if I they had like if they had I, like dropped the N word or stuff, and I mean, but they're they're I think the thing that we keep coming back to, and I'm sorry, I I didn't mean to cut you off, but uh, or you know to keep talking over you, but um, didn't uh the um and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it here because uh I am one, so I mean I know this is an uncomfortable word, but didn't the um Har- not Hearthstone the Overwatch player who said faggot 
get less of a punishment than or or you know like suck my dick faggot or whatever it was um got less of a punishment than let's um, mistaken, right probably i couldn't say that like i don't i hadn't been prepared for that question and so i don't know off the top of my head and i feel like that was a when the initial ban came down but people were like yeah uh, the overwatch players using gay slurs got like less punishment i don't know but uh i'm sorry i think that like free hong kong is i mean yes i guess it's, i don't know it's just yeah he was i guess the one who used the slur was suspended for four games and fined uh two thousand dollars yeah i mean like i don't know like because on uh in my in my perspective i don't think free hong kong is offensive but i mean look it's, it's uh, slippery slope it's all I, slippery I slope about what's offensive and i am going to talk now sorry girl um it's like this the rule at the time that this statement was made was in my opinion far too vague to reasonably be expected by blitz chung for it to apply to him and or I don't actually know how Blitz Chung identifies. So, but uh, regardless, <clears throat> nor in my opinion, um, Blitz Chung didn't actually like, in my opinion, break any rules. Like I, I just, I don't think that the broadcasters broke any rules. So I just keep coming back to like, when you look at this incredibly nebulously phrased, you know, um, players can't say anything that will intentionally, you know, provoke. Okay, well, basically, everything can prevent can intentionally provoke somebody if some if someone is going to act in bad faith, which in my opinion, actually, someone did act in bad faith here, because I don't think Blitz Chung said anything negative, like you said, Slaggy. To me, it was like the most, there I said he again, it's the most um like neutral statement on that situation you could make while showing support for your hometown like or or where you come from like i just even still it really burns my freaking bridges that again there was no rule not to do what was done and blitz chung is being punished as well as two casters even today and will be for another four and a half months from now oh, i mean can't we just go back to the gold old days when you could go to the arcades and have a friendly game of Street Fighter. Yeah, I mean, because if you were Daigo Umehara. Gaming culture wasn't toxic then, of course not. Right. Oh, but and it then, was. Um, there's a, so basically, there's this fantastic thread on Resetera this, this week, um, where basically the discussion is taking place over a um, discussion or a talk that uh, Daigo Umehara made. And he was talking about the many times he got punched in the face in the arcade uh, due to his great success in uh, fighting games. And this whole thread was just a delightful read. I had a great time reading it, even <laughs> though I know a... they're all really harrowing stories. A delightful time of being threatened by grown men over a fighting game. Well, but the thing is, and I've told this story here on air, you know, well, and I, I, I shared this story. Like, oh, it's not just me. Well, right, exactly. It's a shared experience. That's why. That's why you say delightful. I say. Well, and that's exactly it is. It's a shared experience in which I 
have have had as well. So I can share in it. You know, I used to be super into fight. Well, still am. I used to play fighting games very seriously in the arcade, like daily, daily. And I got good enough to, you know, beat people in Mortal Kombat without getting touched. And uh, yeah, got threatened with a knife on more than one occasion <laughs> and lived to tell the tale. And I was not alone. I did not realize that this was so commonplace. Like, apparently arcades used to be pretty sketch places to hang out. I, I didn't realize Yeah, I mean, that. the only arcade I really had when I was a kid was at the local Roundtable Pizza. So my experience is very different. I mean, and like, again, it's, uh, you know. Yeah, you would get threatened for your beer and pizza, right? Why would I have a beer when I was like a? It was a joke. <laughs> why would I have a beer when I was like a? I was already doing meth. <laughs> I do not advocate meth at all. It is bad. It fucks you up. Not um, even if, once. If you if you are on meth and you listen to Game Movie, please. Um, we won't judge you, but please. Um, let us know if we can support you in uh, seeking treatment. I'm not joking here. Meth is yeah, no, truly good. and sincerely, it's meth not even not once. It's it's not stuff that you want to get involved yeah, in. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's funny. I mean, not it's not funny. Um, but you know, like as I was saying, like oh, gaming culture never used to be this toxic, but in some ways, it always has been. And I mean, really, the roots of GamerGate, you know, we can go all the way back to the kind of way that uh, gaming was, you know, sort of catered to you know male audiences and the toxic masculinity and i mean I've, you're I've, saying I've, sort of catered to and i'm meanwhile thinking of the dozens of like giant breasted like booth babes i used to see photos of at or E3 that one sega, that one every, sega um, controller every... where it's like you're pounding your joystick and sweating as you rapidly tap the button like where it was equating it to jerking off um yeah but anyways uh, my, my point is is that i think at some point it's just we're gonna be like i have fucking had it and we're gonna have to like do um a very special oprah episode uh, about toxic gaming culture because like i said we, we think of this as a modern thing and definitely the internet has opened up um a lot of more potential for abuse and a lot more um you know the world is more open and so you know information's more open and the ways to threaten people's livelihood is more open but um there have been toxic elements of the gaming culture so i mean forever so i mean i think if you look at any subculture that has endured you probably could track these kinds of um trends but i actually would be really interested in mm, I'm trying to think of a data-centric approach to sort of quantifying that sort of uh, change, you know, really um, trying to quantify uh, the shitty attitudes, almost like I'm trying to think of a, a quantifiable metric that we could track over the years to see how it has changed. But men are garbage, everybody knows it, and it's hard to exactly delineate that beyond that in yeah. this case. Anyway... But we can now leave the sad, sad state of culture and go to some place a little more private. Maybe in Idaho? I've actually, have you ever been to Idaho? I haven't. Um, we only, uh, I remember going on a road trip uh, to Yellowstone National Park with my grandparents uh, when I was in like middle school. And it was, you know, pretty cool. I have to admit that, you know, not many people have that that opportunity necessarily. So uh, long story short, on our way back to California, 
we just had stopped over somewhere in Idaho, but uh, it was quite pretty, you know, just, uh, you know, I remember there was a, uh, the hotel we were at was the Best Western and it was right near a little stream and we, um, yeah, so it was, it was, seems like a pretty state in Idaho. Well, all right. I don't so, know. Um, you never know what to... you're going to get on GameBooie.org, folks. GameBooie.org. At first, you can be rant- we can be ranting about stuff and then talking about Idaho. Um, anyways, uh, Groove Coaster YY Party um, is... Already um, out. Is already out. And it is... Um, so it's now it's now out everywhere. That's sorry. That's yeah. I was confused because it had an English language option, but now it is available on all the eShops. Uh, Groove Coaster is, of course, one of the um, rhythm games we've mentioned when we've uh, you know, especially when we were really um, you know, I would say like every at least once a month we were really going to round one arcade like all the time. But uh, I guess Groove Coaster actually started out. Um, on ios didn't it and then it did, yeah that along with you know st- a lot of stuff that um we used to talk about from that era when we were talking about japanese arcade games a lot uh stuff like crossbeats rev started on oh, um, i love crossbeats rev other platforms yeah yeah so uh groove coaster of course is by taito uh you know the uh the space invaders yeah i was gonna say you know the um i, I, I was like the epic but um Epic's not really the word I'm looking for. The renowned Japanese gaming company. Yeah, and there is already um, uh, Undertale Music Pack available for download. Uh, of course. Oh, nice. You know, Groove Coaster, especially in the arcades, uh, if you've played it, you might have seen people playing the Undertale music. It is available. It's just a small uh, DLC purchase, and you can play it in YY Party today. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's no, this also is a 60, other fun. This is a 60, yeah, sorry, sorry. There is some other fun music in the track list as well. I actually had gotten it um, the day it released on the Japanese eShop. So I got it like a week before it released um, on the various worldwide eShops. Uh, it has a really good track listing, some nice um, uh, licensed music, including a couple anime songs that I think a lot of nerdy folk are going to be happy about. Um, it is a $60 purchase, as Slaggy was about to say. But, but I mean, that consider, like, a, with real music, so yeah. I mean, you have to consider the music when you uh, consider a game like this. Uh, well, and that's exactly why I wanted to hit that point before you hit talked about the price. Well, because what was that? What was that rhythm game that came out very early on this way? Thinking of uh, Gal Metal? No, not Gal Metal. Though that's cute. Um, it was um, oh, it was a really early one. Those. I think so. The O E Z. I think it was. Yeah, and it was. Um, it's good, but I mean, it definitely. I think it was a lot of like independent music, you know. Um, so it wasn't really like you know the anime bops or whatever that you're that a lot of us look for. So um, yeah, I mean, Groove Coaster is a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so I mean, if you, I, I mean, do we know if is there a demo available? This would be a great game for you know to have a demo of uh i don't actually know if there is a demo um like i said i just downloaded the the game outright so yeah but uh groove coaster is a lot of fun i'm glad that uh, i'm glad that yy party is now available for anyone who wants it and doesn't want to have to deal with making japanese eShop accounts excellent Uh, i'll let you take this one because this is a little bit uh more in your real house yeah yeah we got word that the upcoming Mega Man zero slash zx legacy collection will be delayed by about a month, releasing on February 25th rather than January 21st, 2020. Um, The delay was noted by Kazuhiro Tsuchiya-san, the uh, 
Mega Man, current Mega Man series producer, it was just discussed as it's sort of for uh, quality purposes, just to make sure that um, everything sort of reaches the fullest potential that this project can be. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm always a big fan of the delays for those kinds of reasons. They just need an extra month to, to finish pulling it together. I'm happy that they're taking it. Yeah, there's, a, rather there's that a game than we're talking about today that could have maybe benefited from an extra month or so. But Right? Um, Probably a little more, but that's okay. Uh, people were posting screenshots of, like, replies to, I think, it might have been, like, um, it might have actually been, you know... Um, a tweet or something from uh san or from Capcom or something, and they were like, um, take your time, thank you for making the game as great as it can be. And then basically people were like, Man, Mega Man fans are like way more polite than other fans of other franchises. That's amazing. I mean, I guess it makes sense when you've uh famined for as long as we have. Once the it's feast like, comes, you really appreciate it. Thank you for thinking of us, Father. May I have some more? Yeah, right. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Oh man. That's sad. What isn't sad is that Guilty Gear 4 has a new name. Well, I should say Guilty Gear, the fourth iteration of the well-loved Guilty Gear series has a new name. It is Guilty Gear Strive. And many people are noting that in certain times that this name has been written, only the IV in Strive have been capitalized. Oh, cute. Right? Um, so clever. They are. Uh, we got the announcement of uh, Faust as a playable character in the new game, which is, of course, exciting. Um, we got a new trailer as well as confirmation that a new trailer will be dropping in mid-January at Frosty Faustings 12. So that is something to look forward to for sure. Um, all in all, I'm really looking forward to this. It's going to be releasing in late 2020 and it looks beautiful, like a very accessible take on the well-loved Guilty Gear formula. And I think Strive is a better title than maybe going for Exorth. <laughs> Fair, honestly. I was. I mean, I'm surprised that they didn't go uh, Guilty Gear XXXX. XXXX. You said sex. Right? Remember? remember Or just like XIV, and people are like, wait, it's Guilty Gear 14? Right. They're like, no, it's pronounced Guilty Gear Ziv. Yeah, I'm happy we're not getting involved in that. Yeah, but um, remember when they're like, uh, say the letter X. X, 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 X. Oh, you said sex. Like one of those play play yard um, things where they tried to trick you into saying. Uh... Capcom also announced an updated <laughs> version of Street Fighter V with Street Fighter V Champion Edition for PS4 and PC. It'll be available physically starting February 14, 2020. That's cool. Aren't you glad they didn't call it Street Fighter XXXX? Yeah. Um, I'm this... surprised that there's. I'm surprised there hasn't been a. Um, I just got to say, though, uh, thinking of like, you know, Eroge and stuff, I'm surprised that, I mean, maybe there is something out there that there's not um, um, sexy gear or like a kinky gear or um, something like that, um, like a Guilty Gear sexy version, like um, like sexy gear XXX. 
All right. So <laughs> Street Fighter V Champion Edition will go for $29.99 for the physical version. And players who already have Street Fighter V Arcade Edition can get the upgrade kit for $24.99. Um, basically, Champion Edition is going to be an all-in-one pack that includes all content from the original release, um, Arcade Edition, um, as well as two new characters and the vast, vast, vast majority of all DLC content that has been released. Um, all right. It is my understanding that this does disclude a handful of costumes, but for the most part, all the costumes, stages, characters are supposed to all be here. That means 40 characters, 34 costumes, I'm sorry, 40 characters, 34 stages, over 200 costumes. And uh, we also had the announcement of new fighter, Gil from Street Fighter 3 Third Strike. Oh. So, so yeah. I wonder, I wonder if... Ahoy, mateys. Welcome to the GameBuoy.org video game podcast, your port of call for gaming news and views that maybe aren't your radar, but most definitely should be. I'm your host, Captain Spike 2099, and with me, as always, is First Mate Sidekick. Yep, I'm still here. Good. I'm I'm glad to hear that. Uh, today is now November 20th, 2019, and this is still GameBuoy.org video game podcast episode 169. Yeah, I, I've been sitting here for like almost the past 24 hours. Where were you? Oh, I'm really sorry to do <laughs> that to you, man. I know. Obviously, I hope. Uh, no, for everybody well, yeah, out I there. I just sat here and pooped myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So for everyone out there listening, um, last night we had some audio technical difficulties. It was an unfortunate situation, but we ended up having to stop recording the episode. Um, the end of that last news story, in case you couldn't tell, was at the end of the day. Cool. Street Fighter V. Now with Gil from... Championship uh, edition, right? Yeah. Third yeah. strike. Uh... Now with Gil. <laughs> Aren't you glad they didn't call it Street Fighter X X X X X? Hey, I said sex. There you okay. go. Now we're now we're back on that track. All right. I don't know that we needed to be. Street so, Fighter Fifth Strike. Oh, this episode has been titled "The Symmetries of Winden," and that is because this is an episode about the new generation of Pokemon. Um, Slaggy, and in, in some ways, it's dead to some people. It is. Well, and that's the thing, you know, so it was actually, let's get into this then. Let's actually do this. So you could say there's been panic on the streets of Winden. That I know you've Some people want to hang the game devs. <laughs> All right. So um, I know we have a little bit of a different energy today than we may have yesterday. It's kind of unavoidable when you have an episode split like this. I think it might be for the better. I'm actually a little more fired up about um negative comments about pokemon Shield from a certain perspective what i i thought you were gonna be like i'm all fired up about pokemon i'm like yeah you're a pokemon npc (laughs) oh my gosh right no why are you crying pokemon i'm always fired up about pokemon no it's honestly here's the thing um this episode was originally called Cemeteries of Winden. It was actually going to be an episode about Dexit, and um, we were really going to go in on... Um, I hate the fact that Dexit is the name we're using for this, by the way. Like, I get it. We're not the ones who came up with that shit. I know. We most certainly did not, but I, it is well, what it is. It's, it's the a, nomenclature, but... It's 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 kind of gamer-gaty. It Yeah, yeah. It, but the thing is, 
my biggest problem is that um I actually think that the Pokedexitus uh oh. sucks. I I hate it. I hate that I've lost so many of my fave babies that I feel Game Freak and the Pokemon Company at all have over the years cultivated in me the expectation that I will be able to continue to not only um, have these same animal friends in every generation of games, uh, but even many times bring over the exact same data as my previous generation. So I actually think there's a lot of legitimate criticism to be had yeah, around I, the Pokédexitus. I'm really sorry I about just your lost came babies. Up, I just came up with that term, and I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to make yeah. a note of it now. So if you hear me typing, that's what it is. Pokézud? I hate you. So the thing is... You fucking killed me with lost babies. I hate you. You're the one who said lost babies first. I didn't clock it until you said it. I thought it was 100% intentional, Dawson. It was not. It honestly was not. It truly and sincerely was not. Oh, boy. <clears throat> so it's like, I, I do actually feel that in a lot of ways, you know, this expectation of the complete Pokedex and, you know, it's inclusion in the game and you know the the entire cross media properties is an expectation that has been cultivated by all of these various entities and therefore i think it is fair for people to have mixed feelings about it i think it's fair for us to be disappointed i think it's yeah. fair for us to i i think it's fair for us to politefully and respectfully use our voices or our wallets well, yeah, uh, to protest this and that's the thing it's about the way that you communicate your um the way that you're feeling about this well, and exactly. And, and that's where I take issue because my, my biggest issue with Dexit, and I say it now because I'm talking about that movement in particular, the Dexit movement has done a great disservice to Pokemon Sword and Shield, in my opinion, because it has become very difficult to talk about the game without your intentions being questioned um, either for or against not right. the, the game itself, but like the devs behind the game. Yeah, and, I mean, like, all the positive reviews, because it's been overall reviewed very positively. Yeah, like, oh, I mean, I think it's getting mostly, like, uh, added. well, yeah, I've seen a lot of that. Like, oh, well, of course IGN was going to give them an 8.5. You know, Nintendo advertises on their site. And yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't actually know that that was gave, the rating that they gave the game. They However, also, I believe right. it was around that. Yeah, but I mean, they also gave um, Ruby, um, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire 7.8 too much water. So, I mean. Yeah, I mean, these things are never, these, those specific protests are very rarely rooted in real logic. And honestly, I would even say real particular feelings for a lot of them. It's just misdirected hate and rage that is very unfortunately being directed into I would say the face of a really a, a developer who is particularly worthy of respect as a fan, because I actually think Sword and Shield turned out to be a lot more of a um, loving yeah. and love letter to the Pokemon franchise and older generations and fans than I think a lot of us realized it was going to be going into it. Oh, yeah. And so um, 
but you know all of that is now lost in these waters that have been muddied by what i think are largely bad actors and then also people who don't know how to communicate um constructively their concerns with these kinds of things yeah because i mean either way you're either going to be labeled as a toga kiss up or a negative chancy ah i love that but you're you have the exact right of it and that's the thing, you know, I, I think for me, and I'm, I'll put the cart before the horse a little bit, I'm going to say that, you know, I was extremely pleasantly surprised with uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield. It feels inappropriate for me to rate a game before I'm done. Uh, however, I'm also 40 hours in and only have literally a small handful of battles left, as I understand it. Which so, that's the crazy, well, I'm, just, I'm sorry, I have to... I'm sorry to jump in like this, but like one of the things like when it had leaked and people were streaming it is like, oh, there's only 15 hours of content. I'm like, first of all, like um, I was after I played uh, Gen 1 for like the 10th time, I could get I could clear the Pokemon League in like 11, 12 hours, you know, so I mean, yeah, if your measure is never going to make sense for any Pokemon game, you can clear any of these games in that time span in my, well, not any, but most. But clearly it seems like those people were missing out on a lot of content, which um, to me is a a lot of fun content and a Hell, lot of I'm that. not even trying to be a negative chancy. I think in some of the earliest areas you missed stuff that I found my first time through that you possibly had to go back for. And even then, I think that you spent a lot more time and put a lot more love into this game than these streamers did. Because at the end of the day, I know that you beat it and I saw your team of, of beautiful pokey babies and we had trade we've traded pokies and Yeah, I just I was um so fired up Pokemon that I was like, oh, I want to finish the gym challenge. And, you know, so and, like, the oh, thing yeah, is, no, is that, there was no shade there. It was right, just... No, just but uh, the fact that there is there are there's really more than one way to play the game now with, you know, uh, I mean, should we just start I was actually about the wild exactly going to say that. So let's let's let me give the frame framing then, because, yeah, we, we it's clear we need to just dig into this. Um, we need to dig lit in. Oh, right. Dig lit, dig, dig lit, dig. Trio, trio, um, trio. So Pokemon Sword and Shield are, of course, role playing games. I uh, give you the sort of regular rundown. They released worldwide on November 15th, 2019. So five days ago now. Um, they are the second games in the series to be released on the Nintendo Switch platform after Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu slash Eevee. Uh, this is considered the first installment of the eighth generation of the Pokemon game series, developed by Game Freak, published by Pokemon Company and Nintendo. I think, are they still working with Creatures Inc.? I believe they're involved in design aspects, but I don't know if they're involved on that business level in terms of, of actually being involved in like the um, publishing and development of the game. But I think they're involved in like monster designs and things. Hmm. And this game also had uh, some monster designs that, that were done by like manga artists, which is actually quite interesting. Oh, yeah. See, yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I haven't really read a lot about the uh, development of this particular entry. Oh, it's it's actually really cool. I would probably recommend this generation for like an art book or something for you um, if you were interested in hearing about it, specifically because there's some really interesting stories this time around and, and some interesting uh, guest creators that we're only learning the identities of now in some cases via like the Japanese Pokemon Secret Club, the you know, the fan club. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, 
it's kind of silly to talk about Pokemon Sword and Shield on this particular show um, as if people don't know how these games work, right? It's uh, typically, I mean, I was going to say a single player RPG with multiplayer elements, but I don't even know if that's completely true anymore because in my opinion, once you understand how the online stuff works in Pokemon Sword and Shield. And, and once the servers were properly populated or, or whatever the difference was between day one and day the last two or three days, um, now the game feels very online all the time to me in a way that I really like. It's kind of that Pokemon MMO that everyone's been looking for. I mean, maybe not exactly the way that everyone imagined, but I mean, yeah, there's definitely... It opens up the game in a very different way. Well, right. And, you know, it's it's so funny. I was involved in a conversation about this on Twitter today, and it was two people. They were already having a conversation. I just jumped on in because, like I do. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, in this case, I believe both of these folks welcomed me in. But, uh, you know, they were talking about the wild area and how they wanted it to be expanded upon. And Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that um, it's a... I would love to see a variation on that in the ninth gen for sure. Well, right. And it's like, um, I almost feel like the demand is going to be for the ninth generation to be designed around the wild area. Um, and let me be clear. I mean, I already think Gen 8 was designed around the, the wild area. But like really going open world. and But yeah, like to the point where, you know, the wild area right now is kind of gated. Here, let's let me back up very, very slightly. Pokemon as a single player RPG, typically the main character goes from the start of one region to the end of one region. And what that means when we say it that way is that, you know, they have their entire adventure. They go through typically, you know, eight towns, battle in the gym there, get the badges, compete in the Pokemon League, become the number one world champion, whatever. Sometimes there's a side story where some or secret organization is trying to overthrow the world. Uh, sometimes there isn't. Uh, but to varying degrees, that's typically what you're getting with Pokemon. Um, when yeah, basically, talk... ever since X and Y, where <laughs> where was, where they were saying, "Why are you crying, Pokemon?" and trying to basically cause the apocalypse and recreate a Pokemon war, uh, since then it's been basically they're just endearing punks. Like seriously. Yeah, I mean, well, where do you go from? <laughs> I love. I, just, I love. Pokemon I love ever. Team Skull and Team Yell. Yeah, no, I, I like Team Yell a lot, actually, but I'm also, I used to be like a big Anglophile, and so oh, yeah. this, this I mean, game same. was 20, 120% up my alley, because the setting, the region, is the Galar region. Um, it's a large, narrow expanse of land that is based pretty strongly on, uh, would you say the UK Great Can Britain, we still yeah. say that? Great Britain? Okay. Um, except it's upside down because um, the main city of Winden is at the top of Galar. And um, Winden, of course, being the stand in for London. For London. And then at the south of Galar, um, it's more like a kind of pastoral, like so almost more um, Scotland or kind of, you know, the northern parts of England. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. And, and, and so that actually is very much reflected in the aesthetic, which means, you know, you do see 
a lot of uh, characterizations that are maybe a little less common in other Pokemon games in a way that I thought was really cool. Um, like a, a lot of like punk rockers and a lot of like punk rock aesthetic, which I loved because obviously that's what I'm into. Um, I feel like we saw a lot more like um, guys wearing those weird like Scottish hats and having like push broom mustaches. Like, I don't know, just like different kinds of character designs than we've seen in the other regions. I found it really I mean, refreshing the, in a um, different way from how I found Sun right. and Moon refreshing, which was obviously way more refreshing in that regard. <laughs> but yeah, still, I mean, I, mean um, I guess the thing is, I still love the world explorational aspect of the Pokemon games, mm -hmm. even when we're going to places that are still pretty white. Yeah, um, and I mean, I think I, I can't speak to the... In, in the other... game, I mean. Right, right, right. Um, although, I mean, they had a, um, a variety. I would say that Galar was pretty diverse. Uh, well, I, overall, I actually would strongly agree. Honestly. Honestly and sincerely. Right well, down some to members the of the fact that... League being people of color. Well, exactly. Uh, major storyline characters who are high up in the storyline settings positions of power are POCs. So it's pretty awesome. I mean, truly and sincerely. Mm-hmm. And I've saw Far a lot of what the we saw previously. Chubby in the guys games. too. Yeah, yeah. Chairman well, Rose has a pot belly. Well, and and you say chubby guys, but we should actually say chubby people of of multiple genders. Yeah. Um. In my in in sword in sorry in shield, I know sword had a different um a different gym leader for that town, but the ice gym in in shield had a curvy lady that was uh, pretty cool. Yeah, so, and to sort of follow up on the discussion of the setting and how it sort of relates to the game. Oh, sorry, uh, can I just can I just jump in really quick? Cause I was, oh, of course. Because uh, um, relating to that, um, I can't speak to the other language versions of this game, but the, I think that the localization in English was spectacular. You know, there's a lot of British slang, and, um, you know, it's uh, it just it felt like they really tried to make it, uh, you know, seem like it, like it was, you know, Britain. Yeah. Like it was Britain. <laughs> like it was Britain. So something else I really liked about that setting, you know, obviously, is that it was also um, sort of representative, the Pokemon that naturally can be found there or that yeah, are sort of yeah. thought to naturally occur there are sort of based around the idea of like what kinds of animals would exist in this space. Yeah, so, so then we have like Yamper, the adorable Corgi, who's an electric type. Yeah, yeah, and just a lot of of also like some alternate evolutions of older mm -hmm. generations and um, Galar forms, which are right similar to the Alolan forms of the, of the prior generation. Stonejoiner, the uh, Stonehenge Pokemon, which sadly, oh, I loved was, that sadly was only in Sword. Uh, I saw on Twitter. Uh, oh, I, I actually caught one. If you want, if you uh, want, I can breed it. I would love one. Um, okay, yeah. Okay, although, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely going to play Sword and catch my own at some point, but, you know. Yeah, I, I uh, got a raid ditto last night, so I got, oh, I got a raid ditto last too oh, oh excellent God. yeah so yeah. i actually have a ditto that um can be pretty useful for breeding now that's great oh, yeah but, but um anyway all this notwithstanding um oh, sorry but i just gotta say additional... i saw stonejoiner on twitter like um that people were camping and we should talk about camping when we talk about wild area but uh that a wild stonejoiner came up and wanted to join the party like i didn't even know that could happen holy moly yeah i didn't know that could happen either that's wonderful i mean wow. it could be any pokemon but in this case it was a stonejoiner yeah anyway yeah. anyway sorry uh you should uh i should let you keep going well, so the way that the setting has evolved from prior generations that sort of impacts the game flow is that 
rather than having a linear path, and let me be clear, there is still a linear progression through um, Sword and Shield, and that's something that I might like to see future generations try taking a stab at, but um, I'm not quite sure how that same type attack bonus would work. But um, <laughs> thank you. So, um, but you do sort of, uh, rather than progressing in one direction all throughout the game world, you're sort of going from the starting area into a larger hub that then connects into two smaller hubs. And the larger hub is kind of like a persistently online, but like almost like asynchronous or strand style multiplayer area where um, wild Pokemon can be fought as individual fought and caught as individuals. Um, but you can also run into uh, max raids. And uh, it's like, the thing is, uh, I want to talk about the wild area because to me, it is by far and away the biggest thing to talk oh, about game in changer. Sword and Shield. I, I mean, think it's absolutely. a game changer. Even though I have a few, if some of my very few issues have to do with the performance around the wild area. I think the wild area as a concept and even just my experience playing it um, has been some of the most fun I've had with the game uh, and just completely opens up a whole other element of the gameplay i mean for me well yeah and that to me is actually uh, no, no, I like, a lot of people and... um that i follow on twitter like some people have not even like i saw one of my one of our both of our mutual twitter friends uh had said that he was only three gym badges in but he's logged like 45 hours yeah yeah i've seen other Just people because, say like, that uh shiny hunting and max raids and everything well and so that's Max raids are a new element to Pokemon, and they're almost a Monster Hunter style take on a Pokemon battle. Where and I think they're also so, for, in some ways, um, inspired by the Pokemon Go raids, I would say too. Oh, most certainly. Except, I mean, I, I guess I sort of saw Pokemon Go raids as a sort of similar style um, mm -hmm. game mechanic. But it, it sort of takes that raid mechanic of having, in this case now, a party of four Pokemon. Um, and they do most absolutely have um, like party abilities and interactions to a much greater degree than any generation before this has had. Um, because we have it almost was MMO-like. Well, that's why, to me, the closest approximation is is Monster Hunter. Like, it's right there. Like, you're literally bringing your character and your four skills and your ability and your max form and, and contributing it to your party. You're hoping the rest of your party brings their same, you know, appropriately equipped whatever. And hopefully <laughs> you're going to be able to get this big monster down for prizes and loot. To me, yeah. it, it's a very direct one-to-one -one Monster Hunter experience in a Pokemon setting. And I'm it, actually super into it. I um, have found it to be so addicting to just sit for hours and just troll through like the, the new sticker function, um, which once you understand how to just filter the seeking max raids, it gets really easy to use. Yeah, although sometimes and I'll just start like, dipping into max raids right. and I'll end up killing like an hour that way. Yeah, same. But also, I feel like sometimes you'll see a max raid that you really want to join, but then the sticker has expired. So that's kind of a bummer. So like, there are some technical things that I'm still a little bit bummed out with. But overall, it's, I think, still really great. Um, and part of the thing with max raids is that, like, I, for me, it almost feels like MMO-like. And I mean, I know you're taking it a Monster Hunter way, but for me, like, because I had the experience of where I was fighting. Uh, so th um, the max raids are based on the Dynamax Pokemon. In the Galar region, there is a um, 
there is a story reason for it, but basically there is a um, there is a like a a pink a pink light that uh, an energy that can cause Pokemon to grow very huge, make my monster grow basically. Uh, and you know if you if you've seen the promotional like videos and stuff of this, you probably uh, you're probably a little familiar with it. Some have unique gigant Gigantamax forms, which are like they have this a special appearance. Um, that's different from their usual. Like uh, Pikachu can. There's a special Gigantamax Pikachu. Yeah, Pikachu who looks like chubby Pikachu from Gen One. Um, Meowth has. I think. Yeah, there's a Meowth one that's like Long Cat. <laughs> like you know the internet meme Long Cat is like really long skinny. So anyway, um, so you know, and similar to the way that in a Pokemon Go raid that you're trying to battle a super powerful Pokemon. This has the addition of, you know, make my monster grow. So it's very, well, and it also has very Kaiju to me. Well, and, and I want to be clear. Well, I, I do certainly agree that it's very Kaiju. Um, I want to be clear that the reason I don't really like to stick with the Pokemon go comparison raid comparison uh, is that it does still otherwise follow the rules of a Pokemon battle format. So you do still have it turn-based. You are still right. picking, you know, your various abilities. It's not just spam one button and, you know, hope for the best. You actually yeah, have to use a, a great deal like of really, strategy uh, because um, while the health bar of the Dynamaxed Pokemon initially looks the same as the health bar of what any of your own Pokemon might have, especially as the raids get more difficult, um, the Dynamaxed Pokemon get the ability to throw up shields that will mm-hmm. eat up a tremendous amount of damage. And because and there's a time limit yeah. on each of these raids, there is a very real requirement for your group to effectively work together if you want to have hope of catching, you know, these these yeah, and even then you're not added Pokemon. And even it. then you're not exactly getting I think I've had catch. maybe one time where I beat the max raid and it ran away. So uh I've so, had a few, but also I think I've put a lot more time in into that yeah. specific element than you, and so that yeah. would be expected. So I mean, for me, like, um, like I said, you know, I just I was kind of the idea, you know, of taking down a powerful opponent, but taking the idea of double battles, or there were triple battles in one of the generations too, right? I feel like wasn't there a triple battle at some point? I mean, I don't there know. was stuff like the horde battles. I mean, there there have been various ideas and iterations, right? But anyways, on you know, the double battles were uh, battles. Double battles definitely played a part with, like, you know... Multi-ball. Um, but, like, for example, I had a match raid the other day where someone had a, um, a Togekiss who was using the move Life Do, which um, it's the user scatters mysterious water around and restores the HP of itself and its ally Pokemon in the battle. So I was like, for me, as an MMO healer, I'm like, oh, an AoE heal. That's perfect because we were almost all knocked out. And then um, there's also a move. Um, there's, I think there's multiple moves like that, but um, the one I'm familiar with is Follow Me, which is basically like a taunt. So like you could have a Pokemon that has some sort of ability that forces the Pokemon to attack just that Pokemon. You have a Pokemon that can throw out healing moves. But, you know, we always had, like, soft-boiled and stuff and then, you know, recover. So, I mean, it's not like healing moves haven't been a thing. But I I was like, wow, uh, like, you know, that made me really think about how could I build, um, how could I build a, you know, move set that could specifically be designed to help uh, a max raid be successful. And that's ne- I've never thought about my move sets that way. I've always thought about how can I basically maximize 
my same type attack bonus. I typically don't even do stat boosts and stuff. Um, you know, like agility. Like I typically just go for like pure damage. That's the way that I like to play. But uh, this is the first time it's really made me think about. Oh, I not not only just want to think about the move sets of my Pokemon, but um, look into now, especially that I'm in the the post game. Uh, you know, re- having some specific Pokemon that will just be for helping successful max rating. So again, not, yeah, like, for me, know, that's while a game changer in the way of thinking about how I play the game. While I have in recent Pokemon playthroughs especially been leaning more into uh, status effects, particularly in the latter portions of the game, uh, I will most certainly <laughs> note that I have never used stuff like, uh, you know, healing type abilities or like, oh, See, this, that's the one this thing that I, do, that I do like to use. Well, and so, but now, you know, I actually did find myself leaving my Pokemon equipped with those abilities so that I could heal other people in battle. Mm-hmm. And, one of, and one of the other things is that the move tutor um, and is also the, the move tutor and the name raider are the same NPC. Now it's a, uh, a chubby gentleman. in so the, Centers. the bigger picture design per- change there is that, you know, we saw a ton of quality of life changes right, right. to Pokemon Right. So uh, for people who have played in previous generations, a lot of the former or older features that were maybe a little unwieldy have all been um, streamlined so that now, for example, your Pokemon boxes are no longer something that you have to go to a storage site and access like you can now just access your boxes anytime you're in the the field but for you know a very small handful of exceptions related Mm -hmm. to you know in-game circumstance but generally speaking anywhere you might have think of it as like reception to a cell phone you can connect to your your boxes and i think that's really cool i think it's a huge uh, quality of life change that makes the entire game play better because you now feel like you can use your entire plethora of pokemon you catch not just whatever party you're gonna have that's leveled up enough to continue forward because and then, you know, you're now I'm... so much more easily able to switch pokemon in and out as needed so at least for myself and for uh, my my husband you know we both found that our pokemon leveled on a whole much more widely and broadly than in previous generations part of what helps is that you know uh the experience share is basically just baked into the game now so well, you know, and one of the that is a point of contention from the the Dexit folk, and it's one that I have mixed feelings on because I actually agree with them in theory that that's probably a feature that should have an in-game toggle to turn off. But I have no interest in discussing it beyond that because those people, I mean, yeah, options are always better, but also buy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, all um, of your Pokemon in your party get XP as if the XP share from current generations, if you just had it from the moment you start. And I did love that personally, you know. Right, and then I'll I like uh, grinding. I like, you know, spending my, investing my time to grow my party. I don't like, like, having to spend extra time swapping party members in and out so that, you know, Oh, if you don't get at least one active turn this battle, you're not going to get any XP. No, that is not something I have time for in my life anymore. And I don't understand adults who do. Um, right. Um, but even like this was the, even though I put 30 hours and I never felt like I had to grind because uh, one of 
the rewards that you get, even if you don't, even if, so you have to beat the raid battle. If you get um, run out of turns or all your Pokemon pass out like a certain number of times, I think it's that you can only have four. Yeah, four. So basically one for each of you. Um, that very uh, similar as long as you, yeah. to, to Monster Hunter. I'm sorry, so, I know I keep going to that well, but it's a time limit po- and a restriction pocket, on number of pocket, monster, pocket monster hunter. Um, right. Uh, so you, so if you defeat the um, max raid, even if you can't catch the Pokemon, you still get rewards, which include technical records, which are um, like the old school technical machines TMs. So remember how they changed? I'm not saying remember to you, but like if you remember. Um, if you were so for those of you listening, technical machines are an item in Pokemon that you can use to teach Pokemon a new ability. Up until um was it was it Sun and Moon that changed it for the first time or was it X and Y? I so think up until it was the, X and Y. So up until you know the past couple of years, um you know, 3DS past, generation for sure. Yeah. Um once you used it, it was gone. And uh you you know, you for the most part, unless it was one that you bought at a store you you found it once and you decided i gotta use it on that pokemon uh so they changed that so then uh within the recent generation so that you can use it as many times as you want but now there are things called technical records which are trs which are basically like the old tms so like you use them once but then you can get them dropping from any raid type so if you and bought a in, in addition um, to that I, I just want to say just very briefly you can also get them through other feet modes in the game as well including some stores that they pop up in right right and uh but, so but for example if you find a if you're fighting a max raid vileplume you might get like a grass move then if you fight, fight another vileplume later vileplume <laughs> I love, I love, I love the voice that they had for Vileplume back in the day. Vileplume, um, you know, you so you can get multiples of it, and so uh, you know that's kind of a cool thing too. Like I've I've been searching for a certain fairy type move for my Galarian uh, Rapidash, uh, but I haven't found it drop yet. So I've kind of been like, oh, I've been hunting for that right one, and a lot of really popular moves like Surf that like are really good or Thunderbolt have been turned into these TRs to kind of make them like. You know, a little more, you know, you got to be a little more careful. But the yeah. flip side, which I was kind of talking about, is that uh, when I was talking about uh, that Togekiss that could use Life Do, the healing move, is that um, in, I don't remember what generation it started. I want to say in generation two, but uh, in gold and silver. But I mean, at least pretty early on, there were uh, move tutors and you would typically need some sort of item. Typically, it was a heart scale, which you would get from a love disc. Which was a which is a Pokemon, but uh, so you would have to go and like farm those from battling Love Disc. At least even um, in Sun and Moon, you had to do that. And you know, it's like, oh, I gotta go to this island, gotta fight some Love Disc and get their heart scales. That's why now I basically can... never effed with the Move Tutor before now. Right, but now when you so now with the Move Tutor, you just go and say, I want my Pokemon to remember a move. It's like, bam, which one do you want? Okay. And what, what that really also helps with is that um, if, you, if you were ever playing like the any of the older games and you're like, um, um, Arcanine wants to, I mean, I guess maybe not Arcanine because they don't typically learn moves once you evolve, but, um, you know, Noctowl wants to learn the move, blah, 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 but it only has room for four moves. Would you like to delete a move to make room for it? And you're like, uh, I don't know. Now you can be like, sure. And then if you're like, oh, that move fucking sucks, you can go back and replace it. The other thing is, is that there are certain moves that only will 
be learned if you hatch them from level one. So are there kind of like, in some ways, they're like secret moves in the way that you can only get from a move tutor. So, um, you know, there's certain moves that you can access by, you know, going to the move tutor. And if you had caught a Pokemon in the wild, it probably wouldn't have known that. So uh, I don't know if those, if secret moves is really the right word, but, you know, like there are certain moves that it would learn at level one. And like without, if it's not a egg, it's impossible to get a level one. So, <laughs> yeah. So um, overall then, yeah, just, the quality of life changes alone to this generation of Pokemon to me have have just been massive and huge. You know, um, I do on some levels look at the massive consolidation of these various quality of life features, um, also locationally in the Pokemon area into, you know, bringing everything into the Pokemon Center. So now that's where all your Pokemarts are. It's where your, well, the vast majority of your Pokemarts are. It's where your move tutor is. It's where basically your Pokemon healing is. Basically everything except shopping for clothing. Yeah, but all of your actual game mechanical functions are just completed right in there. You don't really need anything else from a, a actual game mechanics necessity standpoint. Right. And so designing it that way, um, it creates for the player so much more ease of use i'm so so happy to see it um there is the more pragmatic part of me that's like wow you know they really reduce the number of areas they have to design and animate and populate and i think there's a whole discussion to be had around that but we can't because of dexit so you know i think that it's really cool that all of these features have been consolidated and ease of use is now in place far beyond anything Pokemon has ever had. I think that, uh, you know, if you played previous generations and found the game to be cumbersome or too slow, I I personally think this is a very good time to come back if those were your problems. Um, if you've always been kind of interested, I think this is a, a pretty interesting generation to hop into because um, I also think Pokemon has things to say for the first time in a long time. You know, Pokemon is often thought of as flight and fa fancy free, but I think that um, it's inappropriate to say Pokemon never has things to say. I just think that Pokemon is maybe, maybe the people behind Pokemon are getting better at saying these things through their actual storytelling. Or even the fact that Galarian Corsola is a ghost type, because Corsola is a little coral Pokemon from uh, Gold and Silver, I believe. Uh, it, it was, you know, adorable little coral water rock type, but in... Um, its Galarian form is ghost because the coral reefs are dying. Yeah, that's canon. Um, you know, the description of Toga Kiss describes how the um, the breed is apparently becoming rare and they're be se being seen less in the wild due to changing climates or something. It's, I mean, there are multiple references to the uh, oncoming dangers, frankly, of climate change and the game makes multiple of them throughout uh, to the point where at one point a character who i was supposed to be seeing as villainous at least for a moment was saying things that i was like yes i agree with this character um but you know <sighs> that's 
didn't last, but for a moment. So, uh, you know, there was also, I think, a really interesting interaction where, um, you know, the the team of this game, yeah, typically the yell. sort of team yell, thank you, typically the sort of fun but mirthful and mischievous adversarial organization um, in this game is really just a bunch of fans who rowdy are rowdy sports riding. fans. <laughs> well, right, they're rowdy sports fans that are angrily acting out to try and protect the best interest of their favorite player whom does not want their help and wants to succeed on their own right on their own so uh, i don't know it's i know that a lot of times the pokemon games uh, they tell this big kind kind of story with a good heart but not much nuance and it seems like they're they're learning they're they're getting it they're getting better at implementing some of these themes in a little bit more of uh, textured for them ways and i appreciate that um i also appreciate it i actually felt like the storytelling in pokemon sword and shield um sparse though it may be by which i mean you know i do agree that when compared directly to something like pokemon x and y that it, it seems to me that pokemon sword and shield does tell a slightly shorter story However, I did feel that the extended cast got a lot more development than most of the extended cast in Pokemon games get. Uh, that was something I felt also was true in Sun and Moon, so I'm really excited to see that get repeated, actually. Um, mm -hmm. I do feel like, you know, even most of the various gym leaders even have their own little arcs, several of them do, uh, which I really oh, yeah. enjoyed. You know, it, I just feel like we don't often get that, and so... I actually thought that this game brought a lot of really interesting design changes to the series to make it a more interesting and more contemporary JRPG experience, honestly. Um, yeah, um, and you know, something that I think is kind of an uh, interesting shift too is that, um, you know, typically the way that the story beats go for these Pokemon games is that you know, you're a youngster set off, you know, setting off on adventure to do your gym challenge. And then, oh, there's a, you know, villainous team and the, they're like, blah, ha, ha. But then, you know, oh, you have your first encounter with the higher ups. And then, oh, you're getting on the radar. You're maybe weren't on their radar, but now you definitely are. Um, so uh, eventually you cross paths with the boss and you, you know, have a fight with the boss. And then, oh, maybe between the fifth and sixth gym. You have to go to their headquarters, but I mean, without being super spoilery, um, because I mean, like, so, um, and I'm not even a really, um, spoiler it too much, but the, the, the story beats you would be expecting with, you know, as far as like antagonistic stuff happening really doesn't pop up until the climax of the game which I thought was an interesting change. A lot of it's really, and I mean, especially if you're taking long breaks in the wild area in between doing gyms, I mean, it can really feel like, you know, and I mean, I think that can kind of impact, you know, how the story flows as well. But, um, well, and the, the funny thing is, and maybe that's why my perspective of the story is a little different because uh, I want to be clear while I felt said that I felt it told a slightly shorter story. I actually felt that it told a better, more interesting story so far. Um, it feels like the first part of the game, by which I mean from the beginning all the way up until you have cleared the Pokemon challenge and are fighting the champion of the equivalent of Pokemon League, which is where I'm presently at. Like, 
up to this point, it has mostly felt like it's telling a coming of age story. And it has basically told a complete arc of almost like a season of school life anime where like the characters squabbles have resolved, you know, um, these team that used to be adversarial is now all all cheering behind me in a very Space Channel 5 style way. <laughs> it all to me just came together in a way that was a lot more interesting and cool and um, kind of layered and textured in a way that I think Pokemon usually isn't. And, yeah. and so that's was also kind of how I have felt about the the storyline and and even I would say the way that they've worked that storyline into gameplay mechanics. Although I want to be clear, when I had said that, I actually meant narratively the fact that you get to that point with Team Yell, I think is really cool. Right, right. Um but you know, the thing is I, I have negatives about Team Yell. Um largely I feel like they only have like three character models for I mean what were they only supposed to be like three people? No, but I mean you you saw that with um you saw that with Team Skull as well. The grunts always look the same. You know, I I do understand that and I think that that is a perfectly fair design choice even if it's not one that I like. Um it's just something that is, in my opinion, something that I do get to be a little less happy about, though. You know, for all of these talks about things that we love about Pokemon Sword and Shield, uh, to me, I do want to say the game actually felt feels more rough around the edges than traditional Pokemon releases. And I want to be clear when I say that, I don't have any illusions that Pokemon releases are particularly polished in the first place. Um, in fact, I think Pokemon Sun and Moon might have been the first time where I was playing and was like, wow, this feels polished for a Pokemon game. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is people were expecting, oh, it's going to be um, the first Pokemon game on uh, Nintendo Switch. We want it to be Breath of the Wild. Right. Well, and the thing is, and I'm going to be real with you, I actually, by my me personal metrics, would say that it is. Spoiler alert. Um, I mean, I don't, not think, just... I don't think that the wild area looks as pretty as breath of the wild uh it has that severe frame rate dipping in the weather well, right like shit i wasn't just trying to be shady about frame rate though the thing is i actually do think that the wild area changes the game enough oh it's a it game does changer. represent a next generational leap in the design of pokemon's game design and how future generations can build on it to maybe allow for non-linear progression right for sure know, i would for, love to see uh... additional takes on how multiplayer components could work maybe persistently or massively multiplayerly or how how right yeah you know, i would i would be interested in seeing if how? there was more like um the gyms like that you could do the gyms in any order and they would scale but you would but with the wild area it would still kind of work the same where you would need you know a certain number of gym badges to catch which I know that was also a point of contention, but I thought well, and it, know, it was something I actually bristled with myself. And I, so I would add a, a lot of it's for, for I feel like a shiny hunters probably got the most screwed out of that. If you came across a hot too high of level and it happened to be a shiny and then oops, uh, that sucks. I didn't even think about how horrible that would be. Holy moly. Well, but my thing, the, the thing that really bothered me was that, you know, I would run into Pokemon whom I was actually overleveled for my, my Pokies were overleveled and I still couldn't catch it because I didn't have the appropriate badge. And that really bristled me. Um, I guess from a design perspective, it's probably meant as a gating mechanic so that you can't catch 
Pokemon that are a higher level than, you know, where they want you to the gym, they want you to be challenging. And so you can't use, you know, going out and catching more powerful Pokies as a way to quickly level or, or artificially quickly level something. Uh, but for me, especially once I got to the point where my monsters were more powerful than the other monster, it was really silly that I could no, not even attempt to catch them. So it, I almost wonder if a better solution would be um, to still have this open world, but maybe have it gated behind like the areas different like almost like in a safari zone way i mean it was even the safari zone was all just you know well let's also note we are not game designers we don't have to come up with every solution if you have ideas of course please do discuss them but i do feel that we can bring up a problem on this show and not necessarily have a solution for it right but we're not like we're not being paid by pokemon company to solve these problems i think solve these problems i think there is a way that uh that Pokemon could be more open world. And I think the wild area is a great first step with that. I I strongly agree. And and I'll be clear. I actually implementation at present is mostly fine. Um, Yeah. Except like technically like my issues, like again, frame rate sucks, but I mean, you know, that's just a, you always, you you always struggle with frame rate issues, but I'll tell you something. Me and like so many other people though. First off, you more than most, despite, I mean, not more than most on the internet, but more than most in real life. Um, probably of all my real life gamer friends, you're the only one I know who harps on frame rate other than me. And I want to be clear, I do it too. I'm not poo-pooing you. I'm trying to give you perspective. Especially because there was like a lot of the rest of the game had like really, I think, good graphical quality. But that's what I'm trying to explain, though, because I want you to try turning off your online functionality. You will probably notice a substantially better frame rate. I think one of the biggest issues is just the Switch um, taking in uh-huh. all of the oh, new I've, I've done um, I've done Wild Area with just NPCs, which is something you can totally do, by the way. You can enjoy the Wild Area without having to be online. Yeah, yeah. And I, I find find it to run perfectly acceptably i did not i actually found it to run much better on my system i still think the rain looks ugly though okay and and you are allowed to think things look ugly i'm far more interested in the idea of again let me say this then for me the thing that was best about breath of the wild was the game that was designed that underneath the graphics Oh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think... And to me, I feel honestly that Sword and Shield does personally represent that kind of a a step for Pokemon because, again, the online... It opens up the game world, yeah. It it really does. Between the, the wild area and the online implementation, which they is, you know, kind of an evolution of what they were doing in, I think it was X and Y, when you had the, like, all of your friends were displayed at the bottom of your screen and you could send them buffs from time to time. Oh, yeah. And so this, the stamp system to me feels like, what if there was that kind of online asynchronous, like, cooperation, but it was actually meaningful and not dumb? And I think the answer is this. To me, this is what people actually want when they say they want a Pokemon MMO. Um, I mean, except for the people who want, like, straight up a World of Warcraft style click and you know, hit your buttons MMO, but for people who want like online Pokemon 
always online, hang out with your friends and, and play with your monsters. Like this is, I think, a solid step in that direction. Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, in terms of um, actual monster MMO, isn't um, the company behind Black Desert Online basically doing that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the the one of the goals, I think. But yeah, see, so, so um, yeah, I mean, my, my, my only other really complaint again is that I find I find. At first, I found the online elements to be kind of clunky. And even then, like, you know, there were times where, you know, um, I wanted to try to join in a max raid and it already expired. So I would just love to see if this continues in future generations, just a little bit more polish in that regard. Well, and so that's the thing is that I think that the Pokemon series generally is not a series that has nearly as much polish as you would as you would expect given its size. Um, whether that's fair or appropriate is not really for us to say. And maybe normally I would have an opinion that I'd talk about, but I feel like it's not really appropriate anymore. So thanks, Dexit. Um, something I did really like about from a graphical perspective and this is kind of funny because it ties into a criticism i have and but while we're talking about little changes to the the game setting that went a big way having all of the gym battles now be set in sports arenas sort of taking advantage of sort of the footballer culture how did that play for you because i loved that i was screaming yeah and i mean like especially when you get to the pokemon league um it felt more like a anime pokemon league than any before were um without being too spoilery there's like a um what do you call that you know when it um when the um you know like the uh march madness you know when it's like a bracket bracket thank you it's like tournament bracket so it felt felt like a tournament and I've never had a uh, Pokemon League experience. I think there was one of the games where you could do kind of tournaments after the game, and you you you'd, you'd fight like um, the old Elite Four members from previous generations, and that was cute. But this was the first time that the Pokemon League ever felt like a big sporting event like that you would think of in the anime, and I I was so hyped for that, um, especially because it's broken up into like semifinals and then finals and then battling the champion yeah i thought honestly that it really brought a sense of freshness to what was mechanically the same as what we've really done uh let's be honest every generation i think that you know the the gym battles are like a core tenant of the pokemon game design even as we saw sun and moon get away from that with the trials i think we ultimately found that um, mechanically it was not very different it was just kind of an interesting narrative spin on yeah, different the flavor. same idea yeah. Really. yeah yeah um but we do go back to the the gym theming and even still it feels more fresh as ever due to this really cool theming idea um something i did feel about that however was in my opinion um i did note wow like the reuse of this same graphical like stadium with just slightly different textures and the same architecture of this coliseum in every town like y'all must have got this done 
a lot faster slash cheaper than it has been done in some of the other 3D games. Uh, but the flip is, I don't think that's wrong or bad. And I think this is, again, a, a Dexit thing that I'm bringing this Bam, up. Bam, three that... days, and then you're done. <laughs> right? Uh, the thing is, like, this is a normal part of game design. Like, you do reuse assets wherever possible, always. And why on earth would you not? I um, mean, think about it. Uh, Super Mario Brothers, the original. Uh, bushes were clouds. Up, bushes and clouds, and clouds are bushes. Yeah. Also, also so, I think the cloud was originally the first one, and then they were like... Oh, we could make it a bush. <laughs> <laughs> but and that's and that's the thing is that, you know, I'll admit my own understanding of the development process, while apparently substantially more nuanced than many out there, it is still not the most advanced. But mm-hmm. I, I, it's still one of those things where I, I just I don't understand how you can't understand that it's saving work on assets is always going to be a good idea. Always. So the fact that they do that here, that to me was a wonderful thing and a really great, you know, um, necessity is the mother of invention type thing where I don't know if the idea to do a gym came first or if the idea to do a repeated setting came first, but I'm glad they came to the solution they did because it works so well. I love it. Despite the fact that uh, you thought it was a little shortcut yeah oh absolutely again i don't think something being a shortcut has to be a negative i think there's a way to talk about these things you know there were some shortcuts taken that i would call negatives that i would call shortcomings or or, or rough edges this was just a shortcut that was expedient and i think ended up working out in the game's favor truly because i thought I mean, I almost would be sad if we didn't have sports arena fights in the next Pokemon. Right. And I love how the crowds like they're like start singing along when you're down to your final Pokemon or when the when not when you're down to your final Pokemon, but when the uh, gym right. down to the final doing Pokemon. Like, like, chance. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was it's it's really neat. Although it did for me also highlight that one of my major problems now. Um, with the presentation of Pokemon, I have to say, you know, something I think a lot of us, maybe not a lot of us, but a lot of those who were expecting the breath of the wild of Pokemon in terms of presentation were expecting voice acting. And I'm going to be honest, it did stand out to me in a bad way that this game was not voice acted. Well, did you get to the part where um, uh, maybe maybe this is in the post game, but there's a part where some NPCs are like, boo, it sounds like sampled, like booing. I'm like, wait, they could sample booing, but there's not voice acting. And I'm okay with your main character being a silent protagonist. That's oh, a, absolutely. That's an a, a action RPG, you know, that's a game staple. But uh, yeah, and yeah, you know, I'll, I'll go a step further. I'm, I'm not even asking to have every dialogue exchange voiced. I do think, though, that at least like the big plot cut scenes and like there was one cutscene that had like drastically different stylized animation, which oh, again, it was almost like uh, illustrated. I think I'm, is that what yeah. I'm thinking of? Uh-huh. Yeah. And which, by the by, I also was wondering about production costs, which, again, I thought it was a beautiful way to tell that part of the story. Perfectly fine. It did cross my mind, though. Oh, hey, that was a good way to achieve what they were trying to do there. And like. Even as I was seeing this really cool, um, you know, still frame image telling the story, all I could think was like, it feels really awkward that this is silent with just this game music. 
especially when it cuts back to the character who's talking over this and he's being like his character model is voice like he has mouth flaps but he's just not talking so you're reading the words on the screen as all of these characters are animated to be speaking to you and they have sometimes animations and their bodies are moving and i have a question gesticulations would you be okay if it was animal crossing style voices and they're like i would so yes and no i would prefer it not be pitched that way but I would be okay with a yeah yeah a, a simlish type solution. I would find a simlish type solution perfectly fine. Um, but the my thing is like scenes, even in like um or for in, example for example another one that really bothered me one of the gym leaders um is a musician and sings a song but while the character is jumping around and the crowd is supposed to be moshing there's complete silence even though like his picking up and setting down the mic stand have sounds. And so it really was just like, this feels so jank right now. Like this presentation feels very poor to me. Um, Well, I mean, especially when back in what game was it where there was the um, punk girl who was, um, it was, I think it was a poison type gym. And like, she had a little, um, cause I remember, um, I remember the original, um, um i think it was i think it was black and white um so it was uh uh coughing is uh dogasu but uh in the japanese black and white or oh it was black and white too um gym leader roxy she's uh d o g a r s dogars <laughs> remember it was like a little sampled yeah um, yeah i mean they was so like that's what i was thinking i was like they couldn't even you know they they did that in black and white too but not a uh, sword and shield yeah so well, i mean I so could see that, that or even that, yeah sorry uh that for me was the kind of presentational issue i really had you know i i just think we're at the point now where um it is fair for the fan base to be asking for certain things from pokemon i think there are certain things that come with a game of a certain size and scope and presumable budget i mean you know what it what it should have access to um where i think it's fair to say hey we should at least have dubbing for you know some some of these story big story cuts and i would say like even like wow you really got me fired up now like in the in a um you know kind of in the middle of a gym fight well i mean i don't even know that i want or need i mean it would be neat to have all that but i don't know that i need all that even you know getting the occasional text pop-ups in this game which where that happens from time to time was enough for me but it would be so lovely to just have that like that's the degree to which we're sort of begging for what in most other franchises are steps that most franchises got in like the playstation one era which we all kind of started to in the ds era as you note I'm not sure why the cart has moved backward on that one, but I I do feel like the sound design in particular of Pokemon Sword and Shield was very disappointing. Um, I I don't mind the whole Pokemon Cries thing. Like, I know there are a lot of people who want Pokemon Cries to be updated. Well, I mean, even I think like with Wooloo was kind of like, nah. Yeah, like that's, I think that's enough. The newer Pokemon were, uh, I feel like, more realistic then. But then, you know, they had to keep the old ones kind of, you know, based on their old like digital sounding cries. 
Yeah. Well, and and again, you know, I'm I'm sympathetic to to some of those things. And particularly Pokemon Cries, I you know, I don't actually want them to change at all. I'm very happy with how Pokemon Cries turned out in uh Sword and Shield. Well, you think about for when um, Dynamax Pokemon Cry because that is way too loud. Um Pokemon <laughs> Generation not Generations. Pokemon the the OAV. What was the Origins? OAV? Origins, thank you. Um how those use the the game cries and I mean I guess it, I mean we have to wonder maybe in generation nine they should be like that plan no well that's the thing is I think that's an unfair expectation ever due to the fact that we are dealing with hundreds of Pokemon across all kinds of of different territories with different names different pronunciations and you know working with various anime dubbers to get voice samples is always so... going to be a sloppy process. I mean, to me, the, the Pokemon Cries thing is something where right. the way it's going now, where new generations just have more realistic animal sounds appropriate to the genus of the of the, the Mon, I think that makes the most sense. I, I think that that's a perfectly good solution there. I mean, can't you just spend like 20 minutes per Pokemon? Okay, French. Okay, then four to five days, bam, you're done. I'm obviously, I'm obviously, well, and, funny, and I don't think that Vileplume is Vileplume. Well, and so you you said that, and I'm, I'm actually happy that, well, I might not be happy about that part, but <laughs> I'm happy that you brought that, I'm happy that you brought that comparison up, though, because it does go to what I was going to say, you know, I, I think that the expectation that all Pokemon will have current anime cries is just not a fair expectation, but... I do think it's a fair expectation that, hey, I think that these games should be dubbed. I think we're at that point now where you should have these games dubbed. I Yeah, I think it's a fair expectation. And, you know, it's I don't want to talk too much about like, oh, you know, it's it's a small price to pay. But, you know, I will say looking at what budgets are to comparable games of this size and what notes are public, I do think it's a fair expectation for a game the size of Pokemon to be able to afford a aside from this Pikachu with Ikueo Tanisan. Yeah, right. <laughs> but like I do think it's fair to expect a game the size of Pokemon to at least have to, to not at least, but to have the budget for a decent voice act voice cast for its main story. And I don't know if maybe that was in the plans and some way got dropped. Um obviously you know I'm I'm sympathetic to the fact that the game releases in so many different languages truly and sincerely but many other games release dubbed in eight or nine different languages and i think pokemon is probably bigger than all of those and even ignoring the fact that pokemon the game is different from pokemon the gargantuan monolithic you know it's the probably the bit one of the biggest ip that disney doesn't own in the world yeah right but you know that those that that doesn't mean the same thing. The game is just one, honestly, relatively smaller piece of that whole at this point. Though it is one of the most important, in my opinion, in terms of generating that that content and creating the sort of material for the rest of the mill, so to speak. Um, so I, I do think while we can't expect Pokemon to be an annual triple A, fifty billion dollar project, I do think, hey. 
this game should have a voice acting should have voice acting on par with other games yeah, of its level these days is a fair acting. request exactly yeah. and, and that's um, my thing is i really yeah. a big part of this episode for me and the the discussion around pokemon sword and shield is almost like what is it like what what is a fair expectation for a new game in a long-running series to be and do we feel that instead of trying to push for a new release every year or two would we be okay with a three or four year dev cycle and really have the next game be super polished well right and i know that a lot of us probably come down on various parts of this that id ideologically and i think for a lot of us it probably comes down to what day you ask us on because some days i would say just give me more pokemon they'll release the polished version of this one in a year or two and i'll buy it again then and honestly as cynical as that is it's also probably true i mean i already want to buy sword and i just finished sealed (laughs) right but the the biggest problem is that it's so hard to have that discussion right now you know half of the pokemon fandom is literally sending death Death threats threats. effing death threats not just to game developers even to people for a minute there who are just talking positively about the game online you know various like pokemon fan sites were getting yeah um which was like a mainstay from like the early days i mean from I remember when it was basically just uh, Bulba Garden and Cerebi, and that's where, you know, in Bulba Garden at that point, this was before Bulbapedia really evolved, and, you know, Bulbapedia is an amazing resource, but uh, back then, Bulba Garden was really just uh, more of a community. Like, that's where the, you know, I think it probably had one of the strongest communities of uh, forums and stuff, you know, back when uh, BBSs were the thing. (laughs) Ah! But then, yeah, you know, Cerebi is really where you got all that information about, you know, they always had the up-to-date um, Pokédex and everything. And, you know, it's pretty much a one-man show over there. So, um, yeah, that. so, I mean, I just, again, listen to the earlier part of this episode, you know, us talking about Tifa's voice actress in Japanese. Um, fucking don't, don't, don't death threat people ever for ever, any reason. ever certainly and most especially not over a gosh dang video game again as noted yesterday the only time you possibly can even consider that sort of thing is if there is a known perpetuator of hate in your immediate vicinity right like hitler or <laughs> well, you're talking we're talking about like death threats right when death threats yeah. are okay like 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 hitler so um <laughs> anyway hey um game freak is not nazi germany okay well, no so the thing is we, we can't uh, no nothing like that to be clear game freak are delightful although um, you now you have to wonder if there's going to be a german region and then the team no they that they would they cannot get no. away with that. that would be not a get away i would hope they wouldn't attempt it yeah um so the thing is um you know things got so bad that launch events for pokemon sword and shield were being right. canceled you know uh, and this is terrible even in japan where typically the fan base is while definitely still having their toxic I mean, elements been, yeah they've been density too well and that's that's exactly so it's it's tough because so many pokemon are gone you know um the poked exodus really did end up wiping out you know it's like the the thanos snap it wiped out like Mm -hmm. half of the 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 pokemon snap as they say well right and so it is concerning 
as a fan whom again has been sort of groomed over the last 20 years to have the expectation that I will always be able to access the same stable and you know learn new facets about these char- these same mons every generation etc cetera, etc cetera. um it's it's okay to to have concerns about this new direction because you're seeing Game Freak now they're saying that you know this is an approach that they want to continue with games in the future um, a statement that has been interpreted a few ways, but which to me really seemed like, uh, you know, it was intentional that we saw so much of the decks, quote unquote, bloat reduced and are, saw so many more potent new pokies rise up in the rising or in the rankings as a result over the last week. Um, I guess the thing is, in my opinion, these are all things that probably could and should have been communicated by Game Freak, Pokemon Company at all before they described the new generation very specifically at its announcement as you know a new game in a new generation along the lines of x and y and and sun and moon uh, back at that e3 event was that not this past e3 but the one before it right after let's go was revealed is that when that happened um i believe so my memory's a little fuzzy right now the answer is yes i'm pretty sure <laughs> so it's one of those things where I I wish, obviously, I don't know that it necessarily had to have been way back, truly. But once you say that it's going to be the same game in these lines, if there is a ma- major foundational change or, or what many of us felt was, I think it's probably fair to say, oh, I wish I had known about this before. Especially since for many people, they hit, the game had already been on sale on the eShop for many months for the preload and everything. So, you know, they had committed to buying these games before they even knew that the decks was being cut or to the severity that it was being. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, I actually do think that there are issues here that are worth having a conversation about and that I really wish we could. But because of the way that these people have acted, we can't. And that's horrible to me, you know, uh, for all of the discussion, all of the ways that a lot of the differently aligned folks from myself talk about you know um censorship and silencing ideas as someone who tries to talk about progressive things in the game space it has been real hard to talk about video games lately yeah so it's it's a funny irony that but um you know i will keep coming and we'll keep coming it's just the thing that's most frustrating to me about Pokemon Sword and Shield is how close, in my opinion, it gets to perfection and how unable I feel to even openly really like just talk on Twitter about the things that I would like to see changed because I don't want to tweet about Pokemon especially in any manner resembling criticism, even constructive and healthy criticism, because I will, I truly believe, get, you know, name searched or search term tag, uh, hashtag searched or whatever, and it will be nonsense because it has happened before. And it sucks. It sucks. So, And this is Pokemon. It's a game for children about cute critters. But I think for children, but I mean, for children of all ages, it's like Disneyland. I mean, there's definitely um, a element that's meant for children, but in family friendliness, but Pokemon's kind of the Disneyland of, and then, you know, Disneyland has its own, you know, issues or, you know, the Disney parks right now have their own kind of identity crises and stuff. So, but again, I don't, I don't feel like, I don't feel like Disney parks are getting death threats. Like if you don't fucking fix Tomorrowland, um, then I'm going to blank, blank, and blank. But seriously, yeah. fix fucking Tomorrowland. Oh my god, it's 
it's a travesty. Yeah. So you know, I don't want to get too much. Okay. Into can I just say I'm these various really, things. I'm really disappointed that you couldn't ride the um, the Ferris wheel in Winden, which is like based on the London Eye. Well, okay, but that's the exact kind of stuff and I, also I'm talking like, um, about. Like the Forks. monorail in Winden. Like, I mean, you used to be able at least in Gold and Silver to see the little train take off. Um, or the Corviknight taxi. Like, I would well, love to see one for me. The fact that it didn't even have like a screen wipe, it just has that that little Corviknight loading, loading animation screen. in the bottom corner. Yeah. Honestly, I, there these are, are, are a lot of, to yeah. me, none of these are big deals. They're just yeah. small little rough edges, things that in previous generations, I feel like Game Freak has really excelled at. And so that to me is why some of these things are actually worth kind of noting. Like, hey, there kind of is evidence here that like some of these things maybe aren't all the way baked to the degree that they would normally have been for a Pokemon main generation release. And, you know, that does kind of track to some of the nonsense that has been alleged far before we knew any of that by these Dexateers. But honestly, I have no interest in really discussing them at this point. I'm just going to wait for the next generation Pokemon game. The I say next generation, but like Sword Shield, I guess the joke now is that the third version will be gun. gun. <laughs> I mean, I would expect them to wait for that to be the gun American and... Pokemon game. But Pokemon gun and knife. Right. But, you know, honestly, whenever the third version of this game comes out, I'm sure or, you know, maybe Ultra Sword and Shield. Although I guess um, it will have, you know, these technical things will be fixed. These rough edges will be filed down. And, you know, honestly, it uh, really sucks that I honestly think creative voices and critique on this game are being uh, silenced. And the thing is, for example, part of why I want to say being silenced is like, I don't want to talk about my complaints and put them out there because I don't want them to be used by bad actors whom don't have real legitimate concerns about these rough edges or various things and are just looking for ammo. So like, bitch, mm-hmm. if it really matters to you enough to use ammo, you have to find it yourself. I'm not doing that work for you. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I can't really talk about this the negatives of this game to the degree that I'd like to. Overall, as close to a po- perfect Pokemon game as we've ever had, with some frustrating design choices and... Mm, suspicions that maybe six months in the oven could have done this game a, a little bit of magic a little maybe, bit maybe more magic i still i would still i would still say right now where i'm at i'd probably call it like a nine out of ten and i'm yes, over in a 10 point scale so like that's actually really high I mean, uh, when we were talking before you were quite as far you were um you had seemed to say that at that time you had thought it was probably not even your the best pokemon game so far was so uh, are, you, are you saying that the, as, as your experience, having mostly beaten the game, almost beaten the game at this point, that it would probably be, in your opinion, the best so far? Or? That's with a hard caveat, question to ask. With the caveat that... Uh, you know, it's uh, I can't answer that question because there isn't a linear answer to that. The only way I can say it is that there are things this game does better than any other Pokemon game, and that it will be hard to go back to other Pokemon games due to that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but All I agree. That, a couple that having been said, it is lacking things, including details that Game Freak, in my opinion, has always gotten right that they 
got wrong this time for the first time. And that is alarming mm-hmm. to me. That's all. Yeah, yeah. But, but um, please continue what you were no, saying. I was just going to say, I agree with you. I think a few more months in the Heat Rotom would have uh, would have helped it a little bit. The joke here is that Heat Rotom is the oven form. <laughs> I caught it. I caught it. But if you were going to use a, a 10 point scale, and I know we normally don't, but honestly, the main reason I want to start using a 10 point scale is less because I give a shit about arbitrary numbers and more because at some point I want to give a game a two or a three and explain why I think it's fair and valid to give a game a two or a three. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, for me, I would say nine out of 10, like the amount of joy that I have out of this game and the fact that even though it's a work night for me and I still. I mean, we were still wrapping up the episode and I still want to put in a few hours, even though I'm in pure post game now and like basically just have to go. I, I want to go and see what max raids are available and, uh, you know, try to see if I can get a Gigantamax Pokemon. And speaking of Rotom, I've still got to find him out in the wild area. I say him, but technically Rotom are genderless, like many, um, many gross types are about it. I just think <laughs> of, oh, Roto! <laughs> Roto Pokédex from you know, and I love that and, Rotom, especially from the Sun and Moon anime, right? Right, right. I love that Rotom because you got you have the Roto phone now. So I love that Rotom at this point just possesses your uh, technological devices, right? Yeah, I wonder if All it's right. going to well, be the same Rotom in the anime. He's like, I'm coming with you. Who knows? Um, all right. Well, with but all yeah, that having been said, mm-hmm. ordinarily, we would now be talking about what was up, by which I mean, we would be talking about what games we've been playing. We've been talking about the 30 to 40 hours we've been putting into Pokemon <laughs> Field, right. which I mean, for me, I mean, I'm not surprised that we devoured the game in a weekend. You know, that's pretty typical for the most part, you know, life circumstances notwithstanding. But I mean, the fact that we've been able to put in a good 30 plus hours, you know, that's a good chunk of RPG time. And it never, like I said, it has not at all to me felt grindy in the way that putting 30 hours into um, many types of games are. I mean, so that's, I think. It hasn't overstayed its welcome yet, and I'm happy for that. And I mean, I think that's a testament to all the good in the game. Like, I mean, I can think of very, like, I can think of, you know, Destiny, you know, putting in that 20 or so hours, you know, lately, Destiny 2. Um, playing 10 hours at a time of Civilization V, which just flies by. So, I mean, I think that's when when you can have that much time invested in a game and the gameplay loop is that compelling that it doesn't feel like you've been playing it that long, then, you know, I think that's the the testament of a good game. And, I mean, you know, this might be the first game the in the Pokemon series since, like, Yellow, that I'll end up logging, you know, 100-plus hours into by the time you know at least between the two versions if not each version itself so yeah absolutely um yeah the other big game that i had been playing this week is or i should say since our last episode is death stranding that's a game right. we're going to talk about a lot more on this show yeah so... i've got a now that i've uh now that i finished uh shield i probably should make a point to to play that I'll I'll be interested in uh, hearing your thoughts for sure. And yeah, I'll be even more interested in discussing them here on air. Um, this episode should be posted. Uh, obviously, if y'all are listening to it, <laughs> it's already, already been this posted. posted but, uh... Right? Uh, but otherwise, you know, we are going to be back at y'all out there uh, shortly in just the next week or two. I'm sorry if this episode has been kind of rough tonally shifting with the 
odd recording circumstances we're sorry, if this, had. we're sorry if this is a nine out of ten uh no Instead it's gonna be like a 7.8 too much water this is a uh, 7.8 too much slag kick oh no that's unacceptable no this um, is like um you know the two or the three you were talking about like that was your episode i hope i hope people don't see you that i'm just i am um you i need was, to get some food in you girl I was going to say, like, I was trying to think of a Pokemon pun for Debbie Downer, but I can't think of uh, a Poke pun. Debbie Duo Blade? <laughs> a Duo Blade Downer? Whoa, that sounds pornographic. Ooh. All right. Let's, why don't you wrap this up? Dig us into our exit lewd. Tickle, tick, tickle, tick. Trio, trio, trio. Um, we love your. We love your feedback. We love your solicitations. <laughs> ah! We call it on our on our show where we say our solicitations for feedback. So we love your feedback. Um, we appreciate any subscriptions that you subscribe to us on various uh, podcasting platforms. Which I mean, at this point, there are a variety, whichever way you subscribe, or even if you just go to gamebuoy.org. Gamebuoy.org. I'm doing that a little out of order because you can always go to gamebuoy.org, except not Game between Buoy. like not not between the um, winter holidays this as December, noted. as noted. But uh, otherwise, gamebuoy.org Game is Buoy. our home base. Uh, you can mail us at mailbuoy at gamebuoy.org. I mean, you can, you can do it. You should do you it. Can. Go do it. Yeah. Go do it. 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 Um, and we post stuff on Facebook, but I mean, honestly, Twitter's kind of where we're at. Even though Twitter is like, Twitter is super toxic. Everything's toxic. Everything is toxic. You know what isn't? Orange Launch Radio, where every gamer has a voice and from whom I steal so many of my cues. They're a you wonderful podcast that you should check out. What's that? You know what is toxic? A, uh, a TM that... Or am I, am I, is it a TR this time? But, you know, really, really good poison move for Pokemon. Toxic is a great move. You know what else is toxic? <laughs> What's that? The fucking Drag Race fandom. Oh my goodness, yeah. Luckily fandom we don't is... deal with that too much over on Reading is Fundamental, the show yeah, that you host. fandom is fucking mental. Oh my I gosh. Should, I, I would not say probably because, say that, but... I shouldn't say that because, you know, of uh, being someone of, you know with mental health issues but yeah but also but it was, it was also I, get your sometimes, sometimes you just gotta do that wordplay yeah honestly i mean yeah you did technically say something ableist but it was ableist against yourself so like it's like I, it's, it's like, like the way that if i people. use the f slur it's okay or if i'm like <laughs> but i still people. don't no everyone gets to talk about white people <laughs> why don't you talk about other people <laughs> like too many people talk about white people fuck white people Talk I'm a, I'm a, I'm a white people fuck white people, um, but people. I I would love to direct you to more diverse voices like the lovely fellows over at the Magical Boys podcast, a pop culture podcast from a queer perspective, and also um, queers of color, which is you know we definitely need those voices out there, um, you know especially uh, I feel like probably for the, a lot of the reasons that you're talking about, people don't really want to talk about games anymore they you know i don't i kind of don't blame them we've had to say goodbye to some great voices in podcasting over the past couple of years you know for various reasons but i mean yeah it's like it's kind of a shit show so uh thankfully... I, I know of at least one person whom got out of the game due to uh people that sucks but thankfully uh you know dj and ruben 
uh, don't give a fuck, and they're gonna tell you about their nerdy shit, and uh, both super cuties, by the way, so go support them and everything they do. They're amazing. Um, I'd also like to shout out to the Nintendo Fun Club, which is your place for platformers positivity and pop punk. Uh, I think they're focusing a little more on their Star Wars content right now. Um, but, you know, we again, those are our uh, one of our greatest allies, I would say. They were an unofficial part of the Hunting Bunch, even though the Hunting Bunch was kind of like, hey, gay. But, you know, uh, we, we love the Nintendo Fun Club folks and all that they do. Um, and we love you and we love Zelda Reorchestrated, you know. Um, I wish there was Pokemon Reorchestrated. That would be really cool. But Zelda Reorchestrated was a project that um, took the uh, classic Zelda music up until, uh, you know, I think at least Twilight Princess, if not after that a little bit, and orchestrated it into symphonic sound. Um, Now, you know, basically Zelda music can really have real symphony music. So it's kind of doesn't have a purpose anymore. But forever pouring out of 40 into the Great Fairy Fountain. <laughs> I wish the wild area had its own version of a fairy fountain. It could be a, it could be a claw fairy fountain. A fairy, a fairy, a fable. All right. That's about <laughs> okay, going to do it for us I got to say, though, it just made me remember that, like, me and my fucking nerdy-ass freshman and high school, freshman year high school friends, like, um, you know, they were... Um, I didn't have a lot. I didn't have a lot of friends, and you know, uh, my high school had a bunch of middle schools feeding into it. And so, like, we kind of latched together. They were the ones who got me into Pokemon. So, props to them, even though they're not really part of my life anymore. Um, but I remember, like, we were just super fucking nerdy. And my one friend said, like, you know, obviously not like trying to say it was serious, but he said that uh, Clefairy, and then Clefable. Obviously, you know, Clefairy and Clefable. But then he said that Clefable would evolve into Clark Gable. He'd be like, Clefairy, Clefable, Clark Gable. <laughs> and All right. So it was just the sidekick is confused. It hurt itself in the confusion. Oh, that's always, that's always every day. <laughs> um, I hope, honestly and sincerely, that y'all have had as much fun listening as we've had talking. We'll be back at you as soon as we can. Probably five days, maybe 14 but we will be back at you in two weeks or less. Three to five days, bam, we'll be done with another one. Ah! It, it's, it's, it's a, a whole, gift that keeps a, on giving. It's a whole meme involving Pokemon and how how easy it is to crank out new character models, which, by the way, the character models were redone. I mean, you know, people seem to think that that is a lie. Hashtag Game Freak lied it was a whole thing. Um, yeah, right. You know, I will note, but you know, people have... There, yeah. Yeah, well, people have imported um, assets from other 3D Pokemon games. Uh, Let's Go. It's my understanding they brought some things over from uh, Sun and Moon already. And everybody's noting like, oh, yeah, we don't have nearly all the kinds of data that we'll need for the new generation. But some of it's compatible, I guess. And like, yeah, obviously. Yeah, they were running that new like, story back in July. Like, no, they had to rebuild it from the ground up. And by the way, Creatures Inc. did help with the modeling. So props to uh, the company formerly known as Ape. Yeah, yeah. So no, I. It's it just makes me so frustrated. <laughs> 
yeah, yeah. no, it's yeah, look game, here at the end of the day. 2019. It makes me so frustrated. Right, basically. Not not us, I hopefully, but you know, just um, it's a 2019 mood. It makes me so frustrated. But we hope that you still have a joy of gaming out there, and that we yeah, we do. Look, we talk about this. We talk about this, and and we're in your ear holes because we love we this love stuff. gaming, and it's, it yeah. sucks. It sucks that this uh, thing that we love is a place of such a tox toxicity. I uh, toxicity is probably so my new favorite badass. Pokemon. Honestly, I'm a fan of Scent to Scorch myself, my precious little Chow Fun noodle. But but um, you know what you were just saying? It reminded me when those Persona Four people were coming for me, like I mean, Persona Five. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, Persona 5, yeah. Can you believe one of them implied I didn't actually like video games? Like, I know you've never met me, but like, bitch, have you ever met me? Like, this is literally my blood. Like, you're so dumb right now. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. We, With we... that, I guess, uh, you know, if you want to, keep gaming, right? We hope you'll keep gaming, because if you don't keep gaming, look, then... Look, if if you love gaming, and I do... Don't give it up. Don't let those Keep people gaming. win if you can uh, if you can help it. If Don't you need to take a break, gaming. obviously do what's best for you. But otherwise, you know, this hobby is everybody's hobby. Um, those people do not own it. Um, obviously, at this point, everybody games. Honestly, everybody has always gamed, even if they hmm. weren't always video games. But now, I mean, everybody video games. It, it, imagine, it imagine when it was such a big deal when the uh, when Gamer Axe was hashtag everybody games. Right. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, we'll be back at you. Until then, keep gaming, keep thinking, keep, gaming, keep, keep thinking, loving it, keep having a good time, keep being Don't passionate. stop believing. Don't Hold stop on to that believing. feeling. Hold on to that feeling. And, uh... On that midnight train to Motostoke. See you, Space Cowboy. Pokemon Ghetto does it. So, um, kind of disappointingly, the French name for vile plume is just Rafflesia, like the flower it's based on. Bum, 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 bum. Ooh, vile plume.